Welcome to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. Today is episode 6, Card Drafting Games. On today's show, we'll talk about some games that we've played, our opinions about Carnival of Monsters, our board game topic of the day is board game etiquette, we'll get into our top 3 drafting games, and Christo is back to report on the latest SaltCon, which is SaltCon End of Summer. We're recording on Saturday, September 14th, 2019 at Demolition Games, located at 3300 South and 85 West in Salt Lake City, Utah. If you're in the area, we all highly suggest that you come down for some great deals. And we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Jacob. I'm Justine. I'm Matt. So, curiosity question for you guys. How do you guys pick what games we're going to talk about and games played? I like to find um, a game that I had like an interesting experience with. So, it this, this week it's a new release, but sometimes it's a game that's been around forever, but that I have like a new opinion of or that it taught me something new about board games. Yeah, me too. Just whatever my gut told me was the most interesting thing I did in the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah, just whatever's around, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for me, like, you think about it, so we record the show bi-weekly, and we all pick one game to just briefly talk about to kind of mm-hmm. open up the show. Sometimes I play a lot of games within those two weeks. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I might be looking at 15 different games. <clears throat> so I just, I go to the newest because that's the one I want to talk about the most. But it's not something that I feel like I, I, I could properly review. I could just kind of say whether... Mm-hmm. But if that game is uh, one of you, like you guys bought it or something, I just figure you're going to talk about it. So I kind of go down to the newest. And sometimes I go to games that I haven't played for a long time and revisited. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was just curious on how you guys pick. Yeah, especially if you revisit something and you learn something new about a game that you've played ten times before. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good candidate. Um, Jacob, what have, what have you played this week? Um, yeah, I played a couple of different stuff. Uh, notably, I had some friends come over to my house uh, the other night, and they wanted to play board games on the board game night. And I had to do a thing where I look at, like, the board games. Like, I had my a stack of board games, like Zolkin and Automania stacked up. And then I had to look at those and I'd be like, no, we got to go with games that are a little more dumber um, for that one. So I pulled out some of the party games. Uh, we played Monikers. Monikers has to have like the best track record, maybe behind just one. Maybe just one is a little bit better. But I feel like it always delivers. Like mm-hmm. people, no matter what they is, they always start up a little skeptical. And then by the second and third round, everyone's laughing. Um, so yeah. Throw out your copy of uh, Cards Against Humanity. Monikers is the real deal. Mm-hmm. It's the reigning champion. I agree, I agree with it's, that. It's much funner. It's a lot smarter. And it's just, it's fun. And it's uh, it's a fun game. And I feel like everyone, it's a fun max of being, you can be competitive about it. I feel like everyone's always competitive. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. always just in a fun way. Like everyone just wants to win. But it's not, you know, like you're always got that frantic thing of the, the timer on this uh, for that one. And then we play it... Um, Trap words, I'll just kind of go, these ones are kind of quick hits, so I'll just kind of go through it. We played trap words, which is a game where you're trying to explain something, and uh, you can't use a certain amount of trap words. And uh, I played this with this group of friends, I also played with this gaming group a little while there, and I feel like it's kind of a bust. It's an okay game, and it's a little fun, but I feel like the main mechanism just doesn't work as well. It doesn't 
give you that kind of promise thing there. It just it always falls a little flat. It's decent, but it's not something I'd want to return to. And I feel like after you've played with a group of people once or maybe twice, you're kind of like, I've, I've kind of done that. Uh, and then we played Linko, which we've also played with this group. And uh, yeah, I think Linko works well. It's a great game. Linko is a great card game. Uh, a great study in game design where you can just have one mechanic. It's a fairly simple mechanic. It's a fairly mechanic that people can get there. But then it's sort of like how do you wrap your brain and how do you you know deal with that and what's the optimal strategy with that win. I think it really holds up to repeated plays and it seems like it's working out with more experienced gamers and less experienced gamers. So Linko is a good game. I wonder if um, <clears throat> streamlined games, like super streamlined mm-hmm. games like Linko is harder to design than like really complex games. Because you kind of have to start complex mm-hmm. with designing it, then narrow it down, right? So, like with Linko, like I wonder, I'd like to see the first iteration of that yeah. game. See what uh, Kramer took out. Yeah, like yeah. he had this big block of marble and he chiseled it down to just his essence because exactly. he's a master. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it, it's true. I think it's a lot harder to design a game that's so simple and so streamlined because you don't have anything to hide behind. I mean, yeah, very Linko, true, yeah. there is no theme to hide behind, mm-hmm. there is no fancy-dancy art to hide behind, and there is one mechanic. Yeah, yeah. There is not a lot to hide behind. And you still have to have a game there, and I feel like yeah. Linko has a lot of, there's a lot of thought that you could put into it while oh, you're yeah. playing. Whereas like Goris Maximus that came out recently uh-huh. had maybe three mechanisms I didn't like. Yeah. <laughs> As a same kind of like, same weight of card game. Agreed, yeah. yeah. It had art, it had theme, it had a couple of different mechanisms, but it just didn't it fell flat for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It also had, I think, the distinction of we had played a lot of different card games recently, rather one, the yeah. trick tape one. And all of them were really, really yeah, good. Yeah, that's true. We were on this like kick yeah. of just like playing card oh, game yeah, after card true. game. And we were kind of a little excited to play it, right? And then we yeah. played it and we we're like, oh. Yeah. But also, Gorf Master was just a bad game. It, it was just, just a bad game. It was just yeah. really just locky. You didn't feel like anything you did had anything there. It was just yeah. kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and Trap Words, I'm bummed to hear that because I, I, haven't, I haven't played it, but like mm-hmm. um, those Czech, Czech edition games. Yeah. See, well, no, I'm sorry, God. I'm, so, <laughs> no, go ahead. I was going to say, they have another game called uh, Word Jam coming yeah. out. Oh, yeah. Which I am definitely excited to get there. And uh, I know No Pun Included had a review of it. I just haven't watched it. but on my to-do list. I've watched uh, most reviews on that. And um, everybody, everybody's saying that it's good. Yeah. So that's I'll, cool. I'll probably get it. And it's also got that like $20 price point that it's like, oh, why not? They yeah. always compare those games to code names as like being mm-hmm. the best. Yeah. And they're like, it's not quite code names, but like I'm kind of done with Codenames. Like, Codenames is fun, and, like, mm-hmm. a year from now, I'd be fine with busting out and playing it, but mm-hmm. but I just feel like we've already replaced Codenames. Our group has. Oh, yeah. With monikers and just one as and a party game. And Decrypto, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. if Letter Jam... Yeah, you replaced be it before we even showed up. We have not mm-hmm. ever played Codenames. Oh, is that right? Group. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like Codenames okay. duet, but I haven't played the actual Codenames. Yeah. Yeah, so when they keep on comparing it to codenames, that's right. Yeah, like people yeah, are over codenames. We've replaced it's, it. It's fine. <laughs> um, so this week, like I said, I was going to talk about a newer game. Um, I played Walking in Burano. Um, it's a new game. I can't for the life of me remember the name of the designer. Um, uh, when I first heard about it, it was from a review online. Um, and it sounded really just charming and a nice easy game with some thought um and the artwork is really really charming 
um, you're walking along a street and you're building these houses and there's rules about how you build the houses. Um, and then there's, you score for different things. So you might score for cats, you might score for plants. Um, and I think the artwork is really charming, but it's also really busy. So, um, trying to count up your score at the end of the game can be really difficult. So, um, you might score for like the pedestrians on the street and like trying to pick out each individual pedestrian can be really difficult sometimes. Um, that's my only concern with the the style of artwork. But there's great decisions to make when you're playing that game. For such a simple, easy game, there's a lot of decisions to make. Um, when I first read the rules, I thought it was kind of dumb that you could take up to three cards, but you had to pay to play them. I wanted there to be some limiting factor to why, why wouldn't I want to take three cards. And then as I was playing it, I realized that the mechanic of you take three things no matter what, but for each card you take, you're forfeiting the ability to take a coin. So you are kind of paying, but it doesn't feel like you're paying. I just think that's an interesting design. Yeah, I played this as well. I really like it too. Um, another factor is like you you have a hand limit of three. Mm -hmm. So yeah. like you don't want to clog up your hand with stuff <clears throat> that you might not be able to play down because the rules of placing is like the the stacks like you have like street level then mid level then roofs and they have to all be the same mm -hmm. color but you have like three points you could turn in to break the rules um, and then colored buildings can't be next to each other so, so a lot of times during that game I was taking one card mm -hmm. and two coins yeah. but you can't hoard up on coins either because there's a limit of six I thought the game was really neat it felt like a game that I've played several times before. Like mm -hmm. there was something very familiar about it, but it stuck out more than those games because I can't even think about those games that are like it. It's a, just you saying that. I was like, oh, I've played a lot of games like that. Mm -hmm. Three levels, can't match colors, yeah. score points. There's, there's something very Sudoku about it because you are very much like, I have this card here, so that means I can't place this card, this card, or this card next to it. Right. Uh, yeah. The scoring things are cool. Once you complete a building, then you either grab like a tourist who's just going to score for that building, or you grab uh, like a resident who will score for your entire tableau. I think that is a really cool decision because sometimes that building that you made, you were just going for that tourist. But there's only, what, two cards in the stacks of these The people? tourists have enough for everybody, I think, to take one. But the residents only have two cards. Yeah, so there's a rush to like get these these people, and that was that. There's tension. I mean, it, I think it's just a good game overall, solid game. Yeah, definitely solid. Um, I played uh, Nippon and Sangwo. I had a fun time losing at both of them. Um, <laughs> they're not by the same designer, but they have the same like graphic artist. They're by the same publisher. Um, they're both kind of feel the same. They both have the same like board that won't sit flat on the table no matter what you do. <laughs> um, and uh, I lost to new players in both of them, which is really impressive in Nippon's case. Tristo always says, like, don't play Nippon because the first experience is so horrible, but after I'm down to play or whatever. But shout out to other Matt, he actually won. He just grokked it. <laughs> but um, it's really complicated and hard to kind of win at the first time. I understand why this these aren't like number one on BGG because I mean maybe they're not for everybody. They are very very dry. You're just you know building walls or something but they're just so number one in my book. I really like both of them. Um, I guess what I like about them is they aren't point salad 
the funnel or whatever is inverted. It, they're almost like strategy salad. A mm-hmm. whole bunch of different strategies all funnel into one or two point mechanisms. And um, the turns are really quick. It's kind of hard to AP in these games, even though there's so much to do. Can you mix strategies? Or did yes. you say like you're just going for one? Type no, no, of no, no. You have a whole bunch of different things you need to balance. Okay. Oh, Inflection nice. points, different strategies. You definitely do have to mix. Usually, you don't. You just have a cheesy engine mm-hmm. and then just run it all game. And they're both what's your game? Yes, they both are what's your game. I got to try these. Mm-hmm. They're really good. I I enjoy both. I think I've only played Zangwill once. I want to play it again, but I really like Meepon. So, <clears throat> I revisited a game. I've played this game once, like two years ago. Um, and then the group, our gaming group, showed interest in it. So, I, I, I brought it and we played it. And it's Trains, which you were talking about. Hey, on, uh, yeah. You mean Rising you were, Sun? You were talking about. <laughs> did you, were you talking about the Rising Sun expansion in particular or just Trains? I was just talking about Trains. Rising okay. Sun has been on my two to buy list. The reason why I haven't buy is because I don't know what sleeves I used originally, so I don't know what sleeves to buy to, if that if I slide, if I bought the expansion, they would have to match. So I don't. It's know. a standalone oh. expansion though, too. <laughs> oh, you can play right. it all on its own. Well, I've wanted to match the previous ones. So I can mix. You can match, mix but. them though. Yeah. Um, hopefully that makes it better because I felt that this game was kind of dull. I think it's a great game to introduce people to deck building games. I think even better than Dominion, probably. Mm-hmm. I would rather play Trains than Dominion. That's that's yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah. for for me, it was just like, I mean, you're building your deck and you're laying out track and you're trying to get to certain points, cities, mm-hmm. and um, different scoring opportunities. But you have to have those cards to play down to lay track. And then yeah. you have to build cities there. And I don't know. We had fun playing it, I feel like. But it just like... A great end of the game night. But I feel like I'm mm-hmm. going to play it one more time. And then maybe sell it. Oh, you actually went and bought it? No, I had, I had oh, it for a lot of time. My issue with any deck builder, it seems like. And why I kind of tend not to like them is like... There's really cool decisions when you're figuring out, like, what do you want to buy, but you ultimately don't have any control over what comes out. So, like, every single turn in that game for me was, well, this is what I have in my hand. These are my Mm -hmm. five cards. I'm going to do the things on the five cards. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, there were choices in what cards I bought to put in my deck, but there wasn't any decision of, like, when those cards came out. Yeah. I mean, it's it's... Tactics rather than strategy. Yeah, I think. Definitely. The strategy of building your deck is always cool because yeah. you're like, uh, but I feel like you have to, it forces you almost to go one way. Like, I need yeah. to throw a bunch of these cards in my deck so they come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I won and it didn't feel that satisfying. Mm-hmm. It just feels like I got the luckiest. I mean, I guess I would say about a lot of those type of games is I've heard them referred to as kind of like optimization puzzles. Like, you just mm-hmm. kind of look at your board mm-hmm. and you kind of do the optimal move. And I feel like with a lot of times with deck building games, especially the era that came from, because that was right after Sorted People Have Done Dominion, you're seeing a, a lot of the market row um, deck builders that kind of came and went. Like now they're all completely gone. They just didn't really make a mark. And I think this game really is kind of the Dominion game where it's it's very simple. It just kind of has that same thing where you build your economy until you start building your victory point engine and then the game is over with that one. Um, but I think the other thing about this one is it has that kind of feeling uh, that you see in a lot of normie board games that learn you go, but they kind of play themselves a little bit there, where the games just kind of um, 
I don't know, they just kind of have that flow to it. And uh, sometimes I think we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit more about that when we go to our game of the week, Carnival of Monsters, because I'm seeing a lot of those things in that game as well um, for both its benefit and its detriment. Uh, but yeah, it is, it's, not, um, it's not a super complicated strategy game. I feel like it's not an amazing game, but it is just kind of a nice, relaxing game that you can pull mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, every once in a while. Actually, that's exactly what yeah. Justine said when we were playing it. She's relaxing. like, I feel like this is really relaxing just mm-hmm. to play. And you're right. And and you can almost kind of shut off your brain. Like, like um, we'll talk about those carnival monsters. But sometimes, like, after you've done something really brain-heavy or if you've had a long day at work and you're kind of fried, like, sometimes it's nice to have a game where you're just like, I'm just picking up cards. Oh, this won't be good. And then, like, oh, I draw a card. And I get that kind of thing where, oh, these kind of things go, to weather, go together with this thing there. But mm-hmm. I'm not trying to, like, figure out how I'm going to build an entire market economy you know yeah that's why when i'm getting rid of games i don't like try to get rid of all the simple games i don't try to get rid of all the gateway games i just try to get rid of the stuff that i don't play over and over again because i think there's a place for these simple relaxing games and they're after you Uh play a heavy game sure i think it's nice like i think trains is a great game to play like if you like jacob said if you're tired if you're fried also, like, if you're hanging out with people that you want to just hang out with yeah. for, you know, social oh, sake, yeah. mm-hmm. it's one of those games that, like, while person A is taking their turn, person B, C, and D can be chatting about their week. Mm-hmm. Like, what they're doing doesn't concern me. Right. I can just completely tune out of their turn. Well, 20 bucks, then you guys can have it. Mm. <laughs> Did you sleep it? No. No. Oh, okay. Alright, so next up is our opinions about Carnival of Monsters. Matt, you didn't like it? No. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> uh, Matt, so I liked it okay the first time we played it. I'd give it like a B plus and I'd say mm-hmm. I'd knock it down a grade every time I play it as it gets really? easier and easier to... To Jacob, your point about it, the game kind of plays itself. Uh-huh. I'm to the point now where I have a hand of eight cards, and I can like put a dollar value on each of them, and so it's kind of a dead game to me. I'm like, okay, this is worth four, three, two, three, and I draft the four dollar card, and it seems obvious. Uh, way too much luck in it. I think if we were to play kind of duplicate bridge style and give all of us the same eight cards, and then the same seven, and then the same six, I think we would all pick the exact same cards every time. I, there's like no decisions in it. Takes too long, way too much luck. Um, I don't l- not like Magic the Gathering because it's too complicated. So this being dumbed down Magic the Gathering doesn't appeal to me. This is not anything. It's Magic the Gathering. It's a million miles away from it. Yeah, because you're, you're fighting. Lands, you're yeah. fighting in Magic the Gathering. There's no yeah. player interaction except you're building your engines with it's, lands and then putting it, you know, things that support those. It's superficially similar to Magic the Gathering because you have land and you have drafting and you have monsters. No, no. I think this is a kindergarten like. version of Magic oh, yeah. the Gathering, and I don't want to play a kindergarten game. Yeah. My first mm-hmm. MTG. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, this could have been called my first MTG. How many uh, times did you play? I, I think I'm on about play six right now, so it's like mm. a C minus. Okay. Uh, before, I mean, I, but how does it play? How did you feel it played at two players? Because I think you and Justine are the only people who played it yeah, two players. Yeah, she can probably talk me into playing a two player again. Yeah. Then you have, like, you get to draft one, hate draft one. Mm-hmm. That made it more fun. You get to look at somebody else's board. Well, you it's pick a good first, right? After. You pick your card. Yeah. Then you draw a card. Then you discard oh, all a card. of those cards. You discard yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so, maybe. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I mean, I like the two-player game a lot. 
Um, I think it took us three or four times before we managed to successfully get all the way through without screwing up the draft um, because there's just not that many eyes to like notice when things have gone wrong. Um, but yeah, I and I think two players fine. It's snappy. It you know moves mm-hmm. quick. You get done with four rounds in twenty minutes, half an hour. Well, I mean, you said it was too long, but I've clocked most of my games at like thirty minutes. Sometimes under 30 minutes. I guess I want this game to be six minutes. <laughs> or, or zero minutes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should just explain kind of a little bit more about the game. Because uh, I, And I'll just say, I agree with everything Matt said, but I kind of like the game. Um, but basically the way this game plays is you have a big stack of cards. Um, probably about a hundred... No, over 200. It's over 200 cards. Mm-hmm. So if you have the game board, this, there's just a huge, big stack of cards. And if you... Play with five players, you'll probably make it through probably about 75% of those cards. Yeah, that's fair. Something like that there. And uh, it obviously gets more random for this issue. Um, You're trying to play monsters, uh, and you're trying to play out land, so it's similar to Magic the Gathering, and you're trying to play out monsters. The monsters give you point values. There's different things, like some monsters are ferocious, and so there's a random element where you roll the dice there. Um, A lot of this game, this game is simple and i feel like that's both it's um to its benefit and also to its detriment like there's a lot of things that are just completely out of your control a lot of times you can just go for a strategy and just have it not work out or completely work out just by random chance just like what happens cards will go through there um for things there i don't think there's definitely not a lot of deep strategy but i almost feel like that kind of works for this game because this game is kind of brain dead in a good way. As stupid as this game is and like as, as many flaws that it has as much as I could tear it down, it is just kind of fun and relaxing mm-hmm. to play. And it's also fun and relaxing to play. Like uh, last week we played a really intense uh, exit game with uh, as the, as the um, it was one of the harder modules one. It was absolutely brain burner. We just did it. And then afterwards, it was like, do you want to draft some monsters? And it was like, yeah, I do want to draft some monsters. <laughs> we didn't have to think too hard. You know, if you win the game or if something goes wrong or if you just completely screwed by random chance, it doesn't feel that bad because you mm-hmm. kind of know what you're getting into. Um, so it's just kind of like a fun social activity. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd have to say like as much as like I could like this game's almost kind of like if you're we're, we're movie reviewers and this game is like you know we're, we're posting like all the different things and like these complicated board like complicated more complicated movies like plot holes and stuff like the game and this game is kind of like an auction move with just a bunch of explosions and yeah. people mm-hmm. riding around a race car and it's like really dumb but it's also kind of fun and like it's the fast and furious yeah. of board yeah. games yeah high strategy it is not but no. it is yeah. fun yeah no, I mean, I don't, I think Jacob said it best. Like, I don't know too much that I could add to it, but that's basically the way I feel about it too. Like, it is really quick and yeah. and it's really lucky, but it is just fun and just simple, really easy to teach. And I like the fact that there's so many cards and so many possibilities. And one of our, um, one of the people in our gaming group was complaining about how it's just way too lucky with the, the, um, the way that the cards come out, like what if you're waiting for a monster and that yeah. monster just never comes? Again, like the game is so simple and stupid that I'm personally not taking it yeah. that serious yeah. to where I'm just like kind of laughing about what happened yeah. that round. You know, like, oh my gosh, there's no cave monsters come out and the thing is cave monsters. 
but yeah. for the round, like. But that criticism, that criticism is one hundred percent on point. It's, it is it's, exactly. It's just this game is stupid enough that I, I don't care. Yeah, me too. Like it, it does not bother me if I get wrecked in the entire game. If mm-hmm. I took a bunch of ferocious monsters and I never see a staff yeah. card that helps me out with ferocious monsters, I never see a, a card that gets me cages and the rolls bad. Like yeah. it's just funny to me. Yeah. yeah, and it's one of those games that you have to just like know that you're just shutting off your brain and watching Fast and the Furious. Yeah, exactly. Like, that was my favorite part of the game, or the funny moments when you have to actually pay a lot for a card you don't even want. Mm-hmm. It Take a bunch of you. loans. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. And that was but then I've part seen the somebody game. took they took tw- minus twenty points from loans and won the game with hundred and thirty points, which was the mm-hmm. highest I've ever seen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like the possibilities are just like pretty crazy like it's very swingy and i like the fact that there's that big stack of cards because you're never really playing the same game because it's just like the draft is going to be completely different maybe you get just all these high monster cards and you have to keep them every turn Uh and everybody goes broke from keeping these monsters they can't play and land cards come out later and it's this weird game of like i'm just playing a lot of stuff from my kept i mean to your point like yes you're going to look at your hand and you're going to know which card to keep there's not that many crazy decisions. But the way they come out is going to kind of change the game mm-hmm. slightly. Enough to, like, keep playing. I've played it eight times now, and, like, I'm still fine with playing it. Yeah. Me too. As a filler game, really. Like, because it's, yeah. like, 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. Like Once everyone knows the rules, like, in here, it's not, like, yeah. incredibly difficult. But once you know the rules, the game goes so fast. Super yeah. quick. You so just fast. Go. Yeah. And, and it's I... a drafting game, so mostly everyone's going at the same time, so it's just... Boom, boom, boom. There's no downtime. I will say, um, in the last podcast, I said that I didn't think I was going to buy it. I think we bought it five minutes after our first play. Yeah, you <laughs> ran right downstairs and bought it. <laughs> it's, now Matt it's has a game he doesn't like. It is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's super like cheap. Bucks. It's like 30 bucks, unless yeah. you sleep it with Dragon Sleeve, um, Dragon Shield. We didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but um, it's, this is the game that's interesting. I really think this game... Would be I'd be interesting to see what they could do with an expansion for this game. They yeah, just added a yeah, bunch definitely. of cards, and then the, also the stack of cards just got ridiculously huge. Mm-hmm. And so it was like four feet off the ground or something like that. There, I think that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of don't think it needs an expansion, though. I think it's the Fast and the Furious of board games, and I think it just can be the Fast yeah, and the Furious. Fast and Furious had several sequels. Well, yeah, that's true. Of expansions. <laughs> yeah, I guess like I'd be fine if they just like added more monsters or stuff and stuff. Yeah, but I I'd like to say that. I don't want it to be more complicated. Yeah. Uh, I'd be interested in what they do. I think yeah, they do something yeah if they, I, I don't know how popular it's going to get, but... Sorry, I got dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. So, like, who would I suggest this to? Not, like, people that are only looking for heavy strategy games yeah. with, like, mm-hmm. you know, all the information in front of you. Um, I would definitely suggest it to, like, noobs, gateway gamers, and even mm-hmm. next step gamers. But I consider myself somebody that gets mostly excited about heavy, medium mm-hmm. to heavyweight Euro games. But I like stupid games, too. I like mm-hmm. dexterity mm-hmm. games, and I like games like this. So if you're one of those types that just kind of is okay with shutting off their brain to play a stupid game, and you like drafting, then I would give it a try. Um, I would say, like, thumbs up for me because of just how fun it is. Yeah. 
I mean, this is like when movie reviewers give like Garfield a thumbs up, and then every every movie that they they trash in the future, like, but you gave Garfield a thumbs up, and this is what it's going to be for him. But if I'm being honest, I have to give this a thumbs up because like 90% of the time, if I'm in a board game group and somebody said, do you want to draft monsters for a half an hour? I'm going to be like, yeah, and I'm going to be pretty happy playing it, and I'm going to have fun. So this game gets a thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up from me. Thumbs down. Yeah, we can't all be the same, yeah. man. Make <laughs> the world party. All right, so that was Carnival Monsters. Next, we will move to our board game topic. Board gaming. Board Etiquette. gaming. Board Etiquette. gaming. Can you put echo on that for me, please? Yes. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> so, gosh, how do we start, man? There's... Oh. There's a lot of board gaming etiquette. Some are really important. Some are kind of not so important. Some are important to other people, whereas not so much to others. And it all depends on your gaming group and where you're playing games sometimes and how long you're playing games, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. We Maybe we should have done like a top 10 list on this. But Yeah, that's true. But um, I think we could just kind of... Well, talking about board game etiquette and the aggro, I feel this is just an invitation to just talk about things that people do that annoy us, <laughs> I guess. Which is, by and large, board gamers, I feel like, don't annoy me. Like, I um, I feel like for the most people are okay. Um, you know, I would say um, try and show up on time, have around the same time, or let people know when you're coming for that issue. Because mm-hmm. people can't just be, like, holding off interminably. But, I mean, most people are okay with that. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a good thing. And that's mm-hmm. honestly, like, for the person that's running late or that yeah. being on time is most important to you yeah. because you could get locked out of games. Yeah. And the people that are waiting for you, if they're being polite, they're they're waiting. They, you said you've come. You're going to come. So they might be playing short games until you show up. So, yeah, communication, I think, is mm-hmm. a, a big one. Yeah. Two Thursdays ago, somebody showed up like every three minutes for a half an hour. It was kind of hilarious. I don't mm-hmm. think any of them were being too rude and right. other accidents happened. But yeah. then we had to keep on reconfiguring. Okay, uh-huh. this is a five-player game and two, three players. Okay, now we're doing like three fours. And then it was a whole bunch of recombinations. It was crazy. You're talking about like two Thursdays ago where we had we started with like four oh. and then it, it boosted <laughs> up to 15 people? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. You had to drop out of ground Austria to come upstairs. Yeah, know. but I played Trois instead. That was cool. Yeah. Um, um, I think for me, board game etiquette just comes down to, like, we want everyone to have fun. Like, board gaming is about having fun. So, like, one of my biggest rules is don't carry things that happen in one game into another game. Metagaming, right? Meta, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If my decision in a game has to take into account, like, oh... If I do this, or if I take this person's card, or if I attack this person in whatever game, the next game they're going to come back at me twice as hard. That's not okay, and that's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> but Justine, for some people, you took my building in Lords of Waterdeep. So yeah, I'm taking this card. <laughs> yeah, in Carnival Monsters people... to hate draft you, even though it's hurting me. It's... Okay. Because you hurt me in the last one, yeah. But for some people, that's fun, and that's part of it. And they say, well, that's that's the idea, is this metagaming thing. But, I, I mean, personally, for me, that's really irritating and really rude. Yeah, I have actually, I don't know if I've ever, maybe I've experienced once or twice, but, like, nothing that I could really take note on. Like, 
I feel like we're really lucky in this gaming group where I don't yeah. see a lot of like really bad habits where like I've personally never had to like pull somebody aside and be like, look, mm-hmm. we gotta talk. And that's <laughs> so good because like I don't want to yeah. have to be anybody yeah. else's parent but oh, my, own, my own children. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, to talk about things, I think one of the things in board game etiquette is uh, analysis paralysis. Yeah, that's a big one. a long time. And I would say broadly speaking in board game circles, not just in our personal group, but just mm-hmm. think it's something that it should be kind of cracked down on. It should be mm-hmm. stigmatized. I've said it before. And I've read accounts online of people essentially just saying people in their board game group and saying, look, we like you as a person, um, but, you know, when we play board games with you, it's drawing out into this really long thing there. Um, so, you know, we can't invite you back to the board game nights because it's just degrading our board game things there. Because, you know, if you think about it, if you have one night every two weeks, as a lot of people have there to play board games, and it's the difference between being able to play four board games a night or you being able to play just one in a light game. Yep. Like, it's a big thing. And I support that decision. I, I actually think that's right. Um, I wouldn't say anyone in our group really has that problem. Some people take a little bit longer. Matt's giving me, <laughs> I mean, looks. Yeah. There's a okay. few. There's a few. Because some people are worse than others, but nobody's like has it like to a, a degree. Right. Uh, we we witnessed it. Um, we witnessed it the other night where a new person came in and okay. they played. So funny. I won't name the game. They played a game that should have took two hours tops. It, it almost took them four hours. Four hours yeah. yeah. We played several games. I think we played like four games when they yeah. played one. And the two people involved that they weren't suffering from AP looked defeated and deflated afterward. Yeah. They looked like they, it, it sucks because they came to uh-huh. have fun and play games yeah. and their entire night was ruined because of one player. Okay. And that's what you have to keep in mind when you're playing games is yeah. you're not playing these games solo. This isn't some video game that you could overanalyze and do the yeah. best thing ever. You're playing with people and it's their night. And they have, like, lives and time. Yeah, exactly. But then I think on the flip side, like, it's important, and I don't know how to say this, so, like, I really don't want, like, long, drawn-out AP, but on the flip side, like, we are playing strategy games, so I Mm -hmm. think it's also kind of irritating when Uh I've been, I've had my turn for, like, two and a half seconds, and someone's like, okay, take your turn. Yeah, that's true. It's usually to the person right after the AP person who gets hurried up because people yeah. are just yeah. about at their limits. Yeah. That's true, yeah. I mean, it's the thing, but I basically I feel like it always, it's appropriate to put pressure on people to take faster turns. And what I've heard it say is it's basically like an inappropriate advantage because you're saying that, hey, I'm going to analyze this board state for 30 minutes to take the optimal turn. But it's like everyone at this else, if everyone else at the table isn't doing that there, then it's basically just like you're degrading the entire board game experience. So mm-hmm. you can make the most optimal yeah. decision. So my biggest pet peeve is AP in board gaming. Yeah. And it's not one person takes a long turn. Like one or two turns. Like uh-huh. Especially if their plans were messed with and they have to kind of reevaluate things and kind of shift. That's fine. It's when it's their turn every single turn. Yeah. They're just like taking a yeah. long time. So it goes from like when you suffer AP every other turn or or whatever yeah. that's just like you trying to figure things out and kind of like get yourself realigned whereas mm-hmm. if you're taking too much time every single turn you're trying to win too hard yeah and and you're you're making others suffer for it and it's just kind of selfish yeah mm-hmm. um in blitz chess where each player starts out with five minutes one minute on the clock is worth like a full night and so yeah we're playing strategy games if somebody takes way longer it's not cheating isn't the right word, but it's like a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to take forever, I would recommend you play turn-based online. 
mm-hmm. you can take everybody yeah. can take as long as he wants. But when you come to a meetup and everyone's in real time, it's kind of not fair for you to take 35 minutes over the course of the game when somebody else takes 10. Uh, and most of those 10 minutes are probably just remembering what your plans were while you zoned out while the other person was AP. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, if you want to be the best board gamer ever, you got to be fast and efficient. Mm-hmm. You just have to learn to do both. And then I disagree with Justine a little bit. If there's ever a time for metagaming, if you ever have a 50-50 over which name to screw, I want to start screwing over the person who takes it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's almost something that like you can't help, right? You're yeah. like, I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> But everything in me is telling me to just do that to him. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a little passive aggressive. But yeah. yeah. And AP will always be a give and take. There's always different. Some games have yeah. it baked right into them. And yeah. my only yeah. go to example is Power Grid, where you can't just be like, oh, I don't know if this is the optimal decision. You literally have to just sit there and count everything out. And some games have that like into it. You can't just be that you have to just sit there and figure things out there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, it's a design flaw, like to have that, or like a design kind of downfall pitfall for things so some games have that kind of baked into it mm-hmm. um but uh yeah but i just feel like it always it is appropriate to put pressure on other people i feel like some people have this attitude it's like no people get to take as long as they want in the turn it's like no it's not mm-hmm. if people are taking a long time you do have you can put pressure on them in a fun mm-hmm. way you know it should be just be kind of like i oh, come on you're taking forever just friendly hassling them um, yes, and the lighter the game, the more based on chance it is, the more everybody should just be vocal, yelling at it, like, are yeah. you seriously taking this long on stuffed yeah. fables? Like, mm-hmm. move! <laughs> if you're playing uh, Carnival of Monsters, yeah. take a card out of your hand, put it on your board, and pass your deck. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not that important. Yeah, there's certain games where you're like, you should not have AP on this game. Like, there's no yeah. way. Like... And, and if you are, you're way overthinking it because it's not that type of game. Yeah. Who cares if you lose this game? Yeah. Like, nobody yeah. cares. So, yeah. And the reverse side of it, if if we're all sitting down and we're all having a good time and we're chatting mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. forcing us to kind of take longer turns because yeah. it's just that kind of game yeah. and somebody's sitting there going, you go. Okay, your turn. Your turn. Yeah. <laughs> I had somebody that's no that used to come a long time ago that's no longer in our group but that was literally saying, green. Red, <laughs> yellow, like for the their turns, and it was just like that's driving me nuts because we're taking fast turns, yeah. like already. It's kind of like a read the room situation. Like if yeah. we're kind of you know hanging out, having fun, you know, chatting, then we don't need to be pushed. But mm-hmm. at the same time, if like we're into a game and you know wanting to play, don't sit there and take fifteen minutes on your turn. I, I knew we'd get into AP for a long time, but I yeah. think we should move away from it because I think there's some other oh, things yeah. that we need to touch base on. One for me is like, and and sometimes I need to like understand that this can happen to me as well, is there's several people coming into our gaming group. All of us buy games. All of us bring games. You have to kind of go in knowing that you just probably won't play one of the games that you brought. Yeah. And, you, and, and you have to be careful not to like try to go in with an agenda to get something played yeah. because you don't want to be too pushy with games. Mm-hmm. You know, like If I bought a new game and I just learned it, I really want to play it that night because yeah. I want to see how it plays and I don't want to forget. I don't want to have to reread the rules later on because I didn't get it to the table. Yeah. But I can't just try to make you guys play yeah. it. 
you know, I think that's that's kind of a big one too. If you have a group where a lot of people will bring games, it is nice to just go to a game and not bring any games and just say, what are you guys, what's everyone excited about? I feel like I do that a lot. I've done that a few times and it almost feels like relieving, like there's a weight yeah. off your back. You just go in and like, I'm going to be the person that's just like mendable, like yeah. I'll play whatever. Yeah. And that is nice. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also important to note, like if I don't want to play one of the games that you brought, it's not a knock against you. Yep. Like, if I don't like a specific game or a type of game, or I just don't feel like playing that game tonight, yeah. it's not about you as a person. Yeah, it's, it's good just to about note me as a board gamer. Not to take it personal. Like, and you could bring a game every night and it not get played just because it's not quite right yet. Yeah. You know, like, people don't want to play it at that particular time. I mean, I, I brought this game, uh, Fool, right? Mm-hmm. And I played it once, and it just won't get played anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah. and like I'm not like upset. Wait, was that the free free? Yeah, uh-huh. no, we played that like three times without me. Oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's sad. <laughs> so maybe it is personal. No, <laughs> you have to you have to keep those things in mind when you're suggesting games too. You can't be selfish and say I just want to play this game. I don't care if it's not the right player count. I don't care if it's not the right time. You know, I don't yeah. care if I know the rules very well or not. Yeah, don't build your bag that you're going to bring to board games based on what you want to play. Be flexible. Like, what if it's yeah. going to be five players? What if there's going to be noobs there? Yeah. All this specific player showing up. Yeah. Maybe he likes to play it there. Yeah. Think about other people. Yeah. And that's why sometimes people will say, like, what did you bring? And I'm like, just a bunch of dumb games. Like, <laughs> maybe we don't need to pay attention to my bag right now because I've, I brought a bunch of fillers because, like, I know Justine and Matt are coming and they bring these great strategy games. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm like, I'll be the balance to them and I'll just yeah. bring all these filler games yeah. or these party games just to, like, if we if we need to fill in time or whatever. And we yeah. own a lot of the same games, so it's never a problem for us, really, because enough people, like, own all these games. Mm-hmm. On maybe a semi-tangent, are you guys offended if people play a game that you brought and they say they don't like it? No. Because you're not the designer. You're I'm not the designer. designer. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like no. some people get like really yeah. hurt feelings if yeah. I brought yeah. this game. I was like, it's not your game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's because people buy the game and they have built, have that kind of expectations in a game. They have I've investment had, in it because yeah. they purchased it, sure. I've definitely had games where I've played a game like, this game is not good. And like people just be like, and, and they almost feel defeated. Like this, this thing they took, it's almost like they designed, like, wrote yeah. a novel, and they're like, this sucks. And yeah. they're like, just like, well, I guess I, did, I don't know why I have to go back to my day job or working at the, <laughs> the factory or something. Well, I mean, it goes back to that. It's not a knock against you. Uh-huh. It's just me as a board gamer, I don't like that type of game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know what types of games I like, and I know what types of games I don't like. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, 4X games are, I will... Yeah. Would rather stare at a wall than play a 4X game. Yeah. I mean, I've bought games that I've been excited about, and I played it and liked it and brought it to the group, and everyone's like, nah, don't like it. And that's fine. I go, okay, well, I'll sit on my shelf, and maybe I'll play with my family, or maybe I'll sell it. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. I have 300-plus more games at home that everybody does like. Yeah, but the thing is that that's the thing. I feel like that's an emotion that comes in earlier in Purple's board games career. Because imagine if yeah. you just started playing board games and you're like, I just got this new game, Zombie Side, and I'm really <laughs> excited about it or whatever. Uh-huh. And you brought it and you spent like $50 on it. And you're like, this game is going to be cool. I read this cool review about it. And then you brought it and it was like, this. Sucks. More than 50 I think people spend about $80 for Zombie Side. <laughs> but that's a good point. I think that that is more of like. It feels more personal because they feel stupid yeah. for bringing it. And that's yeah. another thing that we should mention in Board Game Etiquette is careful about how you 
say things because we could really come off as pretentious. We yeah. know ourselves as gamers. We know our group. So if somebody comes in and I'm I'm guilty of this. Oh, yeah, somebody definitely. comes in and they they like bring a game and I'm like, oh, that's not really what we play. And that could really hurt somebody's feelings. And and you don't want to turn people off from gaming. No. And you don't want to belittle anybody or seem like a bully or seem like pretentious. So I think it's you mm. really need to be careful about yeah. how you state certain things. Well, and I think it's important also not to speak for the whole group. Like, True. For yeah. example, I know like this table particularly doesn't like Dominion. It doesn't like isn't the right word, but it's not our favorite game to play. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's people in our board game group who apparently love mm-hmm. Dominion, and that's totally fine. And so I'd be really careful about, like, ooh, we don't really play Dominion on Thursdays. You know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. there's people that come on Thursdays that would not mind playing Dominion. Mm-hmm. No. I'm not one of them. Projecting, right? we got to be careful not to project and not to speak too soon for everybody. And I, and I think about the board game hobby as it progresses, and people will realize that it is a very varied hobby. It's just like saying mm-hmm. if you liked, if some, if you had a bunch of people who like movies, you'd realize that none of all those people would be necessarily, even though they have the same interest movies. Like a lot of people might like horror films, a lot of people like older classic movies, and there'll be a difference. And there's a lot of people, like there's a lot of variance in the board mm-hmm. game hobby. And I feel like the groups that we tend to run tend to be a more specialized hobby game that play games that we tend to go through sit through a lot of rules explanation for a lot of complicated um, yeah. things like that and that's not what pe- a lot of people want out of their board game session and there's nothing really mm-hmm. wrong with that and I feel like mm-hmm. as the board game progression as these things sort of develop into different groups it be be- it's going to get better at sorting different groups to say like well what do you want in your board game session do you want more lighter games that only have a few mechanics and social games well these kind of groups are go right here meet at this this pub or something like that there mm-hmm. if you want a really good game like where you're really going to have to sit down you're probably going to have to sit through a 45 minute rule lecture to play something that plays for three hours and really analyze that this is this other group right over here, you know what I mean? And uh, it'll kind of help people go to where they want to go. Um, segwaying with the rules explanation, um, I'm a teacher, as we've talked about before, and it really gets on my nerves when I have figured, I've, I plan my rules teaches out, just like I'd plan a lesson. Mm-hmm. And I spend time on them, and I try really hard to make them engaging and I try really hard to make them something that you it's not a slog to listen to for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, focus up <laughs> if you're going to play a board game with me. like, And I'm doing a rules <coughs> teach to you. like, help, help me out and focus. That's a very good one. Pay attention when you're getting taught rules. The, like, I really hate... You're looking at you. You're not talking to me. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at you because I have to look somewhere. Yeah, I'll no, look at the ceiling. I'm kidding. No. Uh, for a minute, it felt like... I was, oh, no, no, no. No, I, I know. I know you're not. No. Um, yeah, I, I've I've had to, like, literally say to people, are you paying attention? And they're yeah. like, you know... And and there a lot of times it's been new people. Yeah. So, like, they don't, they don't understand. They're looking at stuff, and things look really cool to them. They've never yeah. seen a board game like, mm-hmm. like this before. So, but again, like we're very lucky in our group. It doesn't happen often. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, sometimes if you have to like get people's attention, like, hey, yeah, you yeah. know, pay attention. I hate that. I don't want to do that. You yeah. Know? Also, I think we should also kind of realize a lot of times what we're doing is actually a big ask. It's not a normal thing. Like a lot of times we'll sit down and we're, the amount of information we're conveying in like 30 minutes 
is a lot of information. People have mm-hmm. to take all of that information and process it and then be able to kind of figure that out. And that's mm-hmm. kind of a hard thing to like, like most people don't do that in any point in their life ever. Like if you think about an average person, there's nothing where they're like, okay, you're gonna, I'm gonna give you this amount of information and you're gonna have to like put that all together. It's a unique skill and it's a unique thing. Mm-hmm. Board games, and I also think like, especially nowadays, it's really hard to pay attention with like lots of instant thing there. So it's just hard. Um, yeah, it's really easy to teach you guys because all I do is I throw all the information out at you guys really yeah. quickly, right? Mm-hmm. In a structured way. But then I, I have to switch it if I'm playing with, with new yeah. people. I, I teach the same way, and they're just like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to slow and it like, down. Like deer in the headlights. Yeah. Like, Whoa. Yeah. Uh-huh. And if they start asking questions, it makes it choppy for me, and I can't understand it as well. I like everybody to hold their questions till the end. Oh, that's my a big one, too. Thing. Yeah. Especially, like, like I, I say, I don't think it's rude or anything. Right. No. I'll ask several questions throughout mm-hmm. the teach. No, um, I guess. But then I'll, I'll, I'll apologize and... I, I've been told several times I'll get to that, and like I need to work on that as as, as etiquette is just like being patient, and I think for it to come. That's fair enough. Yeah, it's I don't mind point. if you ask questions that's related to like the piece that I'm teaching now. Mm. But if I'm like walking through like this is what a turn looks like, and you're like, oh, what does this spot on the board game do? Yeah, that's then that's, I'm like, that's oh, pretty bad. I'm getting yeah. there. <laughs> like, yeah. I promise I'll get there. You typically it's something we've already covered, and I'm like, wait about this yeah. thing and I don't realize like that it, it's going to get covered maybe yeah. we're just going through an overview that's completely a lot of rules are circular yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, here's an interesting one that I thought of that's really not important whatsoever but I'm just curious on your guys' thoughts we're an established gaming group all of us mm-hmm. sort of like have our own player colors that we all kind of know mm-hmm. about <laughs> and if you if you're new to a group do you wait to pick last about, I say with colors I mean no, it's not that big of a deal but no matter who you play with, when you see the color you want, in my case, right, you immediately try and grab it as fast as possible. And if somebody else grabs it as fast as you, then you just don't get it. I just point to my green it. meeple and say, yeah. I'm green, oh, deal with yeah. it. Yeah, Justine has a tattoo of a green meeple. I think that actually arm. should take precedent. If you have yeah. a green meeple tattooed on you, then you get that. That's when I need to get a red meeple and be Except like, uh, excuse me, excuse me. The problem is I do prefer purple when purple's available. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> so I take green when you're in the game with yes. you. I, do, I like taking unique colors. Yeah. Like, And purple mm-hmm. usually is the unique one that you see a lot, but I'll also take like cream yeah. or you know sometimes orange but and i will say um since i play so many games with matt matt usually plays blue when we play together and mm-hmm. he plays blue when we play in a group um and i do have to warn other people like if i see blue on the board i'm probably gonna attack <laughs> yeah or or like if i'm not Just playing so you know. if i'm not playing as red like i'm I gonna accidentally move your piece yes yeah, so yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so like Usually when I'm setting up a game and there's like us kind of playing and maybe a new person, I'll just throw your color at you. Yeah. And then give the player leftovers. But yeah. uh, but I just thought found that it was kind of interesting. Like if I went to a different group, I would probably just for that reason just pick last. Uh-huh. You know? And it's not it's really not a big deal. I think you could do it Jacob's way where everybody just grabs as quick as they can. <laughs> That's fine. It's just something that came into mind. That's really interesting. I've yeah. never thought of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we've talked about this in the past with, like, eating. Like, be careful. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it seems really obvious, but be careful about what you're bringing to eat. Mm-hmm. These are games that are expensive, and some of them can't get replaced. So, like, if your hands are all grimy, like, wash. Or Matt's good suggestion is, like, have an eating hand, have a gaming hand, and mm-hmm. don't switch them. Um, drinks on the table with no lids mm-hmm. put on the floor or a table next to you. That's really important. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I found poker players use chopsticks to eat Cheetos. Mm-hmm. That's funny. It's a great game. <laughs> yeah. It works out really that. well. I tried it a couple of, I tried it a while ago when Matt and I were playing games. It works out great. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we didn't cover all of board game, board gaming etiquette. There's a lot. There's a but time. I think just to like reiterate, just like remember that you're playing with other people. Yeah. Try not to be selfish yeah. and think about others. I mean, it's just kind of like life, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. not the game of life, real life. <laughs> you know, we just have to be mindful of everybody and each other and like have fun and make sure that you know that um, you could be affecting somebody's fun. Yeah. We're if all you here have, to have fun. Well, yeah. And if you have do have problems, just try and work it out. And yeah, I think don't overreact. Yeah, yeah. Like that's another thing. How do we deal with board board gaming etiquette when something like this comes mm-hmm. up? I mean, you think that it's maybe just polite just to not say anything, but then you maybe not notice that you're Matt's snapping out of copy. a little mm-hmm. bit. So I I think it, it's important just to like yeah. say something when it happens and be nice about it. Well, and if it's persistent, then maybe take that person aside and and nicely just. Yeah. talk to them. I don't think kicking somebody out of the board gaming group the first time they like suffer from AP is good. Yeah. Talk to them. Talk yeah. to them several times and then if it doesn't work out then maybe tell well, them to start hitchhiking. Well, going back to the story <laughs> I told you about the people who said the person they kicked out of AP uh-huh. the, the, I believe the end of the last story they said the guy kind of said, oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, it is kind of a problem and then he went back and then kind of reformed his way and took quicker turns. And then they said that he was happier, everyone was happier yeah. to go there. So, well, and you I know. think if you have those conversations, it opens the board gaming hobby up to more people. Because, like, I know if there's someone who comes in and I can look at them and be like, oh, I remember them. They were the one that took so long on their turns. I'm not going to play with them. Yeah. Without explaining mm-hmm. why I don't want to play with them, I think that's. Yeah. That's not good or right yeah and and, uh-huh. and th- again too like everything that we're talking about is to help you yeah if you feel like you're one of those players like you don't want to get shut out of a gaming group you don't want to be shuffled around like nobody wants to play with you like and we don't want that for you either no so just like just you know have basic decency and and be be self-reflected be like think about what you're doing look at people's faces every once in a while <laughs> yeah read the room yeah yeah exactly if if everybody else looks like they're in pain you know or if you're playing with us like especially jacob or i and we'll, we'll say like you're taking too long yeah hurry up so just like listen <laughs> yeah sometimes people don't have shame about it i'm glad the yeah. person you were talking about had shame about it sometimes i get the impression some of the ap people think that we're dummies for not considering everything yeah like, oh, these yeah. guys don't yeah. go eight steps down the decision tree what dummies or just <laughs> kind of like a thing like this is this is my entire like you know this here this is everyone has the right to take as long as they want for the turn there and it's like all right well but um yeah i don't know but uh, yeah, etiquette and board games. A large, a large, a large amount of it overlaps with basic etiquette and social circles. Mm-hmm. And we're nerds, so yeah, yeah, definitely do the best we can. All right. So next up is our top three drafting. <laughs> All right. So now it's time for our top three drafting games. Um, drafting could be. Drafting dice, drafting cards. Is there anything else you draft? Mm. Oh, there's little dinosaur meeples from like Draftosaurus. Yeah. But I don't think any of us have even played that. No. But you can draft meeples. Fun. Drafting um, like chits for like. Oh, yeah, you could draft chits. 
Um, but what is drafting? Drafting is taking something from a pool, mm-hmm. right? And it could be laid out on the table, or it could be in your hand, or it could be passed around. Uh, you usually take one pass, mm-hmm. or take one and then it refills. There's, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. I mean, anything else you guys want to add to drafting games, like? As far as explanation No, I goes, think this one is straightforward, and I didn't have any huh? dilemmas like, oh, does this fit into the category yeah. like I sometimes do? Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes there's straight, pure drafting games that's just drafting. Like Carnival yeah. Monsters Yeah. is simply drafting. Take one, pass it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's other games where it's kind of like a side note, or it's like a mm-hmm. core mechanic, but there's so much built around it. Yeah. And I have one on my list, a few on my list that are like yeah. that. Um, yeah, so let's hear... Here at number three from Justine. So my number three is one of those we were talking about where drafting is not even necessarily a central mechanic, but terraforming Mars. If you play with the draft variant, which I highly suggest Mm -hmm. doing. um, But so in terraforming Mars, what it sounds like, you are trying to make Mars habitable. And you do that by having a hand of cards that you... Uh, will have the opportunity to play out. But how you get those cards is you have a hand of four, take one, pass it to your neighbor. Um, And then you decide which ones you want to keep. Uh, It's $3 to keep a card. Um, It's definitely not the central main mechanic of the game, but it's important. important, Yeah. yeah. If you don't draft well, you're not going to do well. I think it is the central mechanic. What do you think is the central mechanic? Uh, Card play? I don't know. That's the cards that you drafted, playing them? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the drafting. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The board? I mean, yeah, terraforming I mean, Mars is kind of the central thing, yeah. right? But you do that with cards. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I, I guess you're right, yeah. I mean, like, they have the standard projects that you can do without cards, but, but those if you're doing those... Designed to be kind of worse than yeah. cards. Um, Matt, what's your number three? Uh, mine is Riverboat. Um, this is one of the ones where the things are laid out on the board and you're drafting. And, there's, and the drafting mechanism itself is kind of fractal and cool because, first of all, you draft which order you want to pick the phases, and then one of the there's phases of is draft-heavy, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, you draft around. Ooh. And a lot of the vegetables are multidimensional. A lot of things that are described as multidimensional are, like, multi-use cards. Like, there's cards with text on the bottom, and if you slot it in this way, it has a different effect, and there's, you know, maybe a victory point shield, and there's just a lot of info on a card. In this game, it's a pumpkin. But that pumpkin can mean a lot of different things to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it can mean you're racing to get a checkpoint, you know, to nine pumpkins or something. Um, you might have a scoring feature like a well you're trying to surround with it. Um, and you have to look at other people's boards and see what their goals are with the pumpkin because, you know, it's not just solitaire in that way. You have to look to your left and right because you need to know how, the, how they might prioritize your pumpkin. Or are you getting boats and, for it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, boats. No, yeah. everything. There's a yeah, ton of dimensions yeah. to it. Um, and so it really um, is kind of fun and fractal to me. So I like the yeah. drafting element of Riverboat. Uh, that's a great one. That should have been on my list. Because that, yeah. that is, I didn't even think of it as drafting for some reason. But it, it's yeah. it's all drafting. It's, it's yeah. yeah, you draft. I love that game too. Scoring cards too, you draft. Yeah, yeah you draft yeah. scoring cards, oh, yeah. you draft vegetables, you draft what phase you're going to be first in, you draft. Mm-hmm. And like you There's draft only them. like two phases you're not drafting, right? Yeah, the first one where it's you're like just bingo drawing style. off yeah the bingo style yeah. <laughs> and then the last one where you're just scoring which isn't yeah. really a phase yeah it's yeah. kind of automatic yeah, yeah. Huh. that's a great one 
All right, uh, I chose an older game as uh, one of my uh, as my third game. A game I actually haven't played in a long time. Um, you know it from the shelves of Target and probably your local Walmart. <laughs> it's Seven Wonders uh, by Antoine <laughs> Boza. Um, I just think this game is a good game. It's one of those games that scales up to seven people uh, really well. It's yeah. it's strategic. It's not terribly deep, but it's it's fun and it seems to go by pretty quickly. Um, I feel like it always gives you interesting decisions. You know, um, it's just I'm gonna give this game. It's good. It's a good game. Yeah, it's good. It, it and uh, I I like Seven Wonders Duel a lot more. It's only two players though, but the drafting in that is so cool because. Yeah. You have this like weird pyramid of like cards that are face up and cards that are face down, mm-hmm. and if you you could draft something that's really good for you, but then reveal something that's really good for the other player. Ooh. But it's this very like almost like a sh- abstract game between the two of you, but with drafting. Yeah, I like I like Seven Wonders, but Seven Wonders Duel is like really it almost yes. got on my list. Seven Wonders Duel reminds me of an abstract game called Witches Stones, you know, because there's just one pyramid you're both uh, working off of, and whatever your move might reveal, might expose, like, a better play to your mm-hmm. opponent. Yeah. And it's two-player minimax. Um, my number three is Santa Maria. Uh, Santa Maria kind of has an awful theme on it, which I won't get into. Uh, but it is your dice drafting. Um, some dice are rolled at the beginning of the game, and you're drafting dice. And the, the dice are just go from, like, they're just regular pips, one to six. And they will trigger things rows or columns on your own personal board. Your own personal board is like tile land. You're just like putting things on. It's kind of an engine. And those dice are going to um, like charge up that engine. It's going to, if it's in the one slot, then it'll go down all the ones and, and give you stuff from that. Um, what I like about this that's a little unique is that you're not just drafting dice. You could buy tiles to place on. You could do a couple of different things, but um, you have, depending on player count, like reserved dice like there's there's I think three dice that are yours on there they're just not specified until you take them so you can spend all this time to do other things in the game uh, in the round and wait for everyone to pick or you can rush and grab the dice that you need but like you have this guaranteed three dice and once you take them you're you're like not going to be done for the round but also you can mitigate some dice you could spend a coin to change the pip on it or you can just put a coin straight out on the board so i like it and with the expansion that adds like a bunch of different modules i like really like this game the expansion really bumps it up to like being a a meteor game and that's a santa maria that was my number two and you stole all of my points you're a jerk (laughs) (laughs) spoilers um so my number two was panamax um, it is a dice drafting game. I I just like it. There's something to be said for pushing boats around a canal on a board. And especially, like, the fact that the boats are just cardboard. Like, that's my favorite thing. Like, they didn't need to make them out of plasticine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're just cardboard pieces. I kind of hear seagulls and, like, those big, like, boat uh-huh. horns when I play it. Like, wah, wah, as you're, like, pushing it through. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. I like that you get to interact with the toys in Panamax and, like, yeah. push the it's, boats It very the much feels very fun. And then I like that the dice drafting, you're drafting either boat movement or taking cargo. Um, and so that's, like, two actions. 
but there's six different rows for the six numbers on the dice and the dice that you're taking is going to depend or it's going to tell you like how many moves you can make how many car how much cargo you can load what contract cards you're going to take and it's potentially going to expose better options for following players usually so you have does, to consider defense in it yeah we haven't played it i don't think huh uh, so far, I've played exactly zero of the games you have, <laughs> including Seven Wonders Duel. I haven't played that one. I'll bring it. There's just some like childlike joy of pushing a little boat around it. I think you like Santa Maria. I got. Mm-hmm. I, I think I have it like a riverboat. I think I like Panamax. I think I like Seven Wonders Duel. I think I yeah. like uh, Santa Maria. Speaking of which. No, you stole all my points. Okay, I like that. <laughs> it's not like in Carnival of Monsters where you can just hope for dream monsters, but they're at the bottom of the deck and they're not ever going to come out. If in Santa Maria you really need a four to be rolled, you can spend coins to get your four. Yeah. Um, oh, you have your own personal dice too. Yeah, there's cool inflection points um, about when to stop worrying about adding things to your board and start running your engine. You know, usually at about round two you want to do that. Um yeah, the expansion is awesome. There's some fun modules in that. Um, Do you put in all the modules? Except one you, you can't. You have, you play only, like an asymmetric. But You own the expansion. We don't own the expansion. Oh, okay. We played with just, we duplicated just the little guy to see how, it, so I could show Justine how it works. You know, we uh-huh. just took a meeple out of another game and played the little guy who runs through it. I thought oh, it was okay. Really fun. Yeah, when I play, I put in all the modules. Except for there's like one... There's an asymmetrical There's side. an asymmetric one where one player is playing like a different game than everyone else. I haven't played that yet, but everything else gets thrown in. Mm-hmm. It adds a fifth player too, which isn't necessary. But And within the drafting round, like you kind of said, there's you can make intermezzos. Every single turn isn't, I'm claiming a dice, I'm claiming a dice, I'm claiming a yeah. dice. I had noticed successful people kind of don't usually blitz dice. They come up with other clever things to do. Kind of flexible, yeah, yeah, with what dice come to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my number two was Inish. Um, Inish is more oh, yeah. of a dude in the mass game, but it does have a very robust drafting one, so I kind of thought about it for a while. And I do feel like Inish, uh, the drafting is very critical to Inish. And drafting is also becoming one of those mechanisms, a little bit like deck building, where it's becoming a subsidiary mechanic where it sort of adds to the main game where you're yeah. seeing it, things mm-hmm. that are before the yeah. game or people will often say, you know, as a, as a, uh, like an optional role with these certain tokens that come out in the game, we draft them to make it a little more fair, uh, for this one. But, um, Inish, um, you know, Inish, the cards are the main driving thing of the game. In the beginning of every round, you'll draft the cards. And the thing that Inish does really well, it makes the game so well, is that all of the cards feel overpowered. And so whenever you're drafting, um, you always feel like there's seven cards. You feel like, I need to take the most powerful card, but then all the other cards I'm drafting feel super-duper overpowered um, that I'm passing. It's like, how can I give the other player these other three cards to have that? I thought that was really interesting. It also has that cool thing where you can, if I remember correctly, you can pick up the card. So if you're drafting a card, you can tra- take two cards and put the card you'd already taken back into the mm-hmm. thing. Is that how that works? Yeah. Which I think is a really cool kind of drafting thing. It also gives you, the thing about Inish is I feel like it gives you lots of possibilities. It's just one more thing where it's just giving you even more possibility with the game to say, yeah, go ahead and do this. If you see something here and you see two cards and you have drafted a card, you can go ahead and just do that, which is cool. And that's a novelty. I don't know any games that have copied that since. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not a ton of cards in that draft either. Mm -hmm. Very little cards, so you kind of, you know the possibilities. Yeah. You know what you're getting and you know what you might not be getting. Ten minutes into your first playthrough, you already know the deck. Yeah. 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 Uh Uh-huh. 
and I I hate passing the cards that initiate a clash because it's like <laughs> I know this is gonna come back to bite me. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it, but I I love Inish. Yeah. I think it's a great game. Um, my number two is First Class. So First Class is one of those um, card drafting games where you have like a huge market. Uh, how many? 18. 18 cards on the table. And that's going to be the round and you're going to get three of them. Um, but you go around and you draft them. And that's like kind of the core mechanic, but like you have <clears throat> a tableau that you're building up tracks. It's kind of it's kind of like Russian Railroads, the card game, mm -hmm. but just different too. And we've been playing that actually kind of a lot lately. Yeah. And you guys just recently bought it. We did. I haven't played it yet. Oh, she okay. It last night. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just like a great game. I think if you uh, if you don't want to spend a lot of money for Russian Railroads, First Class could scratch that itch. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where am I? I'm at. Like where I like Russian railroads, but I might like first class a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The the card drafting is really cool because it has that tension of like, don't take that card, don't take that yeah. card. But then when they do, there's typically another card that you'll settle for that's not like, oh, I'll just take this, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's usually like, well, this works too. Um, and there's a bunch of different modules you could add to it. So that's my number two first class. Um, I love First Class. I've played it twice, and I really like it. With the Murder on the Orient Express, which is probably I mean, the worst module. Probably the worst module. If you like it with that module, I then still really like you'll, it. you'll yeah. really like the other ones. Um, okay, so my number one is Grand Austria Hotel. Um, I like the designer. The designer pedigree means a lot to me. Maybe it shouldn't, but it does. Um, I really enjoy all of his games. I like Grand Austria Hotel because you're drafting dice, you're drafting guests. Um, the Oh, and then at the beginning of the game, you draft the staff cards you start with, mm -hmm. too. I, I just think it's a fun... It's not, like, super relaxed, but it's still not, like, super-duper strategy-heavy. I really like Grand Austria Hotel. Um, so there's two kinds of types of drafting in this game. First of all, you draft the assistants that you might have at the very beginning of yeah. the game. Uh -huh. That's kind of the bad side of the coin. I don't think the assistants are as balanced as I want them to be. Some are really good. Some are just, like, unplayable. Um, but the dice drafting part is a great part of the game. That's mm -hmm. a good yeah. half of the coin to me. You're also sort of drafting guests, too. Yeah. And You're it's card river. Well, that's yeah. a card river. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a card river, but I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess it's not drafting because they're yeah. just replaced, yeah. But I I just think it's a good, solid game about a hotel. Mm -hmm. The theme's there. I've never played it more than two-player because I'm scared that the card river becomes nonsense and you just have to hope nobody steps on your toes by going for the same strategy, whereas two-player, it's kind of you can min-max things and it's a zero-sum game. And since it is a little bit maybe more solitaire, you might as well not have the downtime of having two or three other people's turns to wait through, just having mm. one. I've never played it. Oh, I've only played it twice. Actually, I've played it two-player once, but yeah, I don't know, really know the difference. It doesn't feel different mm -hmm. to me, really, but yeah. What's your number one? Oh, is that me? Yeah. Uh, my number one drafting mechanism is in Pulsar... I'm going to guess 2649, something like that. Don't hold me to the number. Um, <laughs> uh, every time you take a dice, 
if it's a good dice, something bad happens to you on a certain track, and if it's a bad dice, something good happens to you on a certain track, you pick the certain track, and that alone is a very interesting dilemma. But then as you play the game, you have to make do with any bad dice you've gotten, and you have to stay flexible. And um, it's very pure and beautiful, and that's why Pulsar is probably my number three game all time. Number one? Oh, just three of all, all time. All, Got all categories. All yeah. um, it's Pulsar 2849. All right. I think I was off by just one digit. Good job, yeah, me. I think so, too. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is about Pulsar. I need to play it right or do better at it. I just don't want to play it. It's weird. Like it, it's, it has all elements of like a game that I should like, but I just don't. I don't know. It's really strange to me. But I maybe I just need maybe just because I suck at it. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I mean, I've lost and had fun at it before, but you're allowed to not like games. Yeah, no one can make you play them. That's true. Pulsar also has the same thing as Panamax of like you're hopping your little plastic ship around the galaxy. Yeah. That's kind of fun. I think that's like uh, that's what I want to do is make all those pulsars and fill them in and get those points mm-hmm. from round to round. Yeah, and it just doesn't work out for me because I ignore the tech tree and I just like just like bites me. Uh-huh. And I'm like. No, I want this game to be this way. I want, I want to just fly around. I yeah. don't want to have to read all these, all these what these texts do. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. The first few times you play, you have to learn the tech tree, and that's not fun. Yeah, just I think a that's a whole what bunch just, like, of overwhelming symbols and yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my number one game was one I was fairly confident none of you guys would choose as your game. There, it's probably the most. It's almost certainly the most drafted game in America. Um, and it's the only game you could become a professional at this game and make Magic. actual money. It's Magic the Gathering. Oh. Yeah, exactly. uh, so as you know, Magic is a game that can play it in a lot of different formats. A lot of people will just purchase a bunch of cards and put it together, but an incredibly popular format is uh, a limited format where you'll take buy different packs of Magic cards and you'll draft them. So you'll open up one pack of cards take one card in front of you and pass it to the next person. It's um, If you go to pretty much any game store on a Friday, you'll Friday Night Magic, that's what they'll pretty much be doing for this one. It's um, when a new Magic set comes out, that's a lot of times what the Magic players will talk about, how well does it draft, how well does it play in a draft environment there. Um, and I think it's a really interesting way... Um, it's a really unique way to draft a card. There's almost really not going to be no board game that's going to be kind of like that, simply because Magic has just this long history and this long development cycle that really no other board game is going to have where, you know, millions of players play your game. Your game has been around for 25 years, 25 plus years, and your card pool encompasses 60,000 worth of cards. You're never going to have that amount of brain power and humor effort put into your board games. And so I think drafting Magic, although, you know, getting into Magic is kind of a large hurdle and I wouldn't say necessarily a worthy one. Like I wouldn't recommend people get into there. There is something really cool about drafting Magic in a limited format, especially because these, uh, the different sets feel so different than also if you've ever played Magic out of a cube, which is like kind of like a limited card pool of people together. And it's, uh, it's just interesting. It's just, it's a very complicated, a lot of very complicated decisions. It's very interesting to like 
build what to see what you build out of what you draft and things like that and then be like i don't know how this is going to work out within there and have to battle against another player it's just it's it is a fun game it's a very complicated game it has a very high skill ceiling and it's also a, because of this huge long card history pool in these different sets there's also just so much diversity between what you are drafting in magic the gathering uh, so yeah, number one game for DraftKings, Magic the Gathering cards. Now, it, for with tournaments, like you have to do a draft, right? You can't just come with your. Uh, it depends on what format. So they'll have they'll have tournaments in whatever format you want. So they'll have tournaments because Magic has like modern, they have standard, they have legacy. Because if you're so, just letting or, people build their deck at home, then the richest player wins, right? Well, everyone like basically anyone who comes to the tournament is going to have access to the same card pool. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. if they're playing a draft, right? Well, no, if, I mean for, for building a deck. So like oh. for these ones I right hear. So people will come out there. It's this whole ecosystem and people will come up with like a new deck type for the thing there, you know. Mm -hmm. um, basically, when you're drafting, because isn't your deck like 100 cards? So when you Are do you draft and match like the gathering. cards? No, so when you draft Magic the Gathering, you the draft decks are only 40 cards. And then, of course, a okay. lot of those are land cards. Um, so land cards, you just have infinity. You can use whatever many land cards you want. Okay. So... Huh. Yeah, I never played it. I never will. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It wasn't on any of our lists. No, yeah. I know it. I mean, it, it, it's the lights on at the local board game store. So yeah. it's got that. Hooray. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Thanks, Magic it's Players. A, yeah. It's a big cash pick. I wouldn't recommend anyone go into Magic the Gathering there. but um, I'd recommend everybody that's playing it uh, to keep playing it, though, so we can... Yeah. Keep playing it here. Yeah. Of about you know the fifty people that are in this big broad board game circle, you and maybe one other guy are the only two like crossovers that play both Magic and. I don't board really games. play Magic. I just you know, have. I past, yeah. I, I mean, I I know about it, so yeah, I guess that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I also worked in a board game shop and had to hear about Magic and like evaluate board game like Magic the Gathering cards, like buying and selling and stuff. So. Mm -hmm. Um. So my number one is uh, was Justine's number one Grand Astro Hotel. Yay. Like. There's not much more I could say about it, but it's just, I, I think it's a really good uh, dice drafting game. Um, the theme, like she said, I, I think the theme comes comes through. It's kind of weird that, like, they have to eat at your place before they can stay with you, but... Yeah. Sure. Maybe like, they're like, this food is so good, I need to sleep in this bed. Um, and you have to fill from bottom to top, that's a little it, weird, too. But. Yeah, but it works mechanically, so, you know, I don't really question mm -hmm. the theme a lot. Uh, it's also, like, set collection with rooms, which is kind of cool, but... Um, and then it has this little neat thing uh, with the dice drafting where if you don't like anything that's come out, you could just kind of wait for everybody to draft and then throw away one and then re-roll, and you could even throw away another and re-roll. Oh, yeah, I love just the like kind of, can. Yeah, you could just press your luck with it, um, with what's coming out. And also the interesting thing is, like, you're taking one die, but um, but that one die is representing all the dice, the pool from that that you're taking. So if you take one four, but there's three fours there, then um, you have three of that action that you're taking. And I think that's kind of cool. And yeah, mm -hmm. the designer pedigree is like really high for me. I really like those designers. So uh, that's Grand Astria Hotel. For what it's worth, the theme for me always makes me like really want just like decaf and a strudel, like oh, 100%, yeah. or I'm like, oh, I just want it to be morning so I can have coffee. So it works <laughs> for me. It's a morning game. Yeah. All right. All right, we got Christo back with us, and uh, we're going to take a small pause from the uh, Kickstarters that he usually talks about, and we're going to get into uh, SaltCon, and particularly the end of summer SaltCon, because he just recently attended as a volunteer. 
Yeah, uh, I was at SaltCon about two weeks ago. Uh, there's actually several SaltCons now. It used to be just one yearly, and as Brandon mentioned, that there's an end of summer SaltCon, which is the one I went to. Um, the ones that are, they call them summer and end of summer, are a little bit smaller. So there's like a main SaltCon, which happens at uh, around March. March, yeah, I think like March and March. Actually, beginning of March. Uh, there's always a snowstorm for some reason. That's it's true. That's yeah. what I remember about SaltCon. It's like the last snowstorm of the season, but it always happens during SaltCon. Mm -hmm. Well, historically. For me, anyway. But, uh, yeah, I went to a kind of a smaller one. So the difference between the summer SaltCon and the um, regular SaltCon, I guess, is what's missing is there's a publisher area that they set up um, during the main one where... Publishers will actually show up, set up, you know, their stands in like demo games that are coming out and whatever. Um, like the big publishers we've heard about, or is it like yeah. weird little ones? Uh, actually, that's the thing is uh, there's not that many big publishers, I think. Um, actually, the funny thing is I don't re really frequent like, that area so much. <laughs> so I, I, do, kinda, I do go there. Yeah, that yeah. I was going to say actually yeah. Brandon probably knows like um, which publishers in particular there are. I don't think like Z-Man, for example, is there. I don't think I've seen Z-Man. Renegade, yeah. Eagle Griffin. Uh, is Asmodee, for instance, the... Asmodee, I mean, Asmodee is kind of a uh, an umbrella, like over yeah. a bunch of these. So I don't know who's now a part of them. Oh, okay. But um, the Scott Scott Alms games, or uh, uh, Gameland, Gameland games is always there. Gameland yeah. is pretty well represented. I think yeah. they've given like given given out games before, uh -huh. and oh, that's they, cool. yeah. you'll see Tim Fowers there. He usually has a booth, yeah. and Ryan Lockett with uh, yeah. Red Raven games. Yep, Tim Fowers and Ryan Lockett are like by default there because they're local yeah so like yeah. if they're not there where are they going to be <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. uh yeah so it's it uh actually the convention kind of has like a smaller kind of a family type feeling uh so far which i kind of like i, I was going to talk about that a little bit later uh probably but yeah, I don't think the huge publishers are there, but there's a pretty good like amount of publishers uh, still. So they set up a huge area. Um, they also have play to win and like kind of more giveaways uh, during the regular SaltCon. Those guys are not there with the play to win games. There's also this Artemis. They set up this like weird thing where it's like a Star Trek uh, bridge simulator. Uh, that's not there during summers. <laughs> Uh, and then they have tournaments in the Ion Award, which is the um, game awards that they give out every year to local, or actually not even local. I think it's everyone. It's open to everyone. It's just a local award. They have like a local award that they give for out for game, for game design. Yeah, for uh, people submit prototypes. Anyone can sub submit pro prototypes. I think they play them uh, all. Um, there's a lot of them, I think. There's like, I was actually looking at some of them last year. Uh, one of them was actually published. I think like the winner two years ago or three years ago was the Scarlet Pimpernel. I think was the Ion Award winner. So it got published by Eagle Griffin. Uh, it's a pretty good game, actually. I played it last year. Actually, it's one of the better games I played. It's I'll probably get it eventually. But uh, yeah, the winner might get published. Oh, it's not for sure. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, they're not the publisher. They're just an award, so oh, you can yeah. brag about your game like winning the Ion Award. Oh, like, and then a publisher could come in and say, yeah, yeah. I'll publish this game. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, speaking of which, Eagle Griffin, I think, is well represented at SaltCon. They have a lot of games that I've seen on just like shelves and like their uh, giveaways as well. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so yeah, so what's left, I guess, uh, what was actually there, there's a large gaming area, there's a game library, there's a game swap, and there's kind of a small math grade that someone just runs. I don't think it's an official convention. I mean, it is for the convention, but it's not like one of the organizers. So there's just a math grade that just runs uh, during the end of summer one, I mean. Um, all right, so I was actually thinking about uh, kind of... Uh, why do I go to SaltCon? Just kind of some reasons. Uh, what do I enjoy about about the convention? Uh, one thing that I kind of enjoy, actually, um, and it's kind of weird that I enjoy it because it, I don't know. I mean, it's volunteering. Um, I actually like volunteering. Um, there's kind of like a cool feeling for me of like being involved with the convention. So I'm not just going. I'm actually kind of part of it. Uh, so yes. I like uh, I like volunteering. I like I like being part of a of a team. I like the people there. What I do in particular, actually, what's fun for me is teaching games. I don't think I would enjoy the other volunteer positions much. There's a volunteer position for like the front desk. There's a volunteer position for just like sitting in the game swap and making sure people like don't steal stuff, which usually isn't an issue anyway. So, uh, there's also like people that set up uh, some things and take them away. Uh, I like teaching games in particular. I feel like that kind of goes back to my beginning days of board gaming because I used to play the same game kind of over and over and I think a lot of people actually do that and I think large, a large part a uh, large reason for that was because I don't I didn't want to just read rules. I didn't want to mm -hmm. learn a new game. Uh, so I feel like I hope that I'm helping people kind of get out of that, maybe, uh, by teaching games. I feel like, uh, yeah, just there was like an obstacle where I would just kind of look at new games and they, they'd be interesting, but I'd be like, uh, I don't know if I want to like spend an hour and a half to, to learn the rules and just go through that whole process. And because of that, I probably didn't play as many games as I should have to begin with. Do you feel like you're missing out on the con by volunteering though because you how long do you spend uh teaching games like what's your shift basically? Uh, they actually give us a choice i feel like it like i say it's not super official or commercial commercialized actually that's one of the reasons i like doing it as well as I, I don't feel like people are like making money off me or i'm an employee or you know like there's a lot of money going around i feel like it's just kind of like a family for fun kind of a thing mm -hmm. so the organizer um he kind of sends out this schedule and they give him preferences and he's been really good actually he's been giving me the stuff that i want but there's four hour shifts and i'll actually um, you only need to do like a certain amount to get uh free entrance or whatever i actually do like double that just because i feel like it's more convenient for him and i kind of so don't do care so I, I do four hours per day basically is what it oh, is okay. it's four hours per day that's kind of yeah that's it um do they do like a an orientation a training especially if you're going to be teaching a game do they teach you the game first or are you kind of left to do it yourself uh yeah so it's kind of interesting um again it's a very kind of not very professional well it, it is it, the, 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 yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say there, it kind of goes both ways i guess to, uh, on one hand it's not very organized as far as that goes i feel like uh, the organizer I, I know him he just kind of lets people 
evaluate themselves kind of, mm -hmm. and then it's up to the people. Uh, what they do is, yes, they do have meetups at somebody's house and they do play the games before the con. So he invites people there and other people from the teacher group or whatever, you know, they invite people to their house. It's like, oh, we're going to play this game. Whoever's teaching it can show up and play with us. But you don't have to go. There's no checklist. So it's kind of like up to you. Um, like he, he says, like, if you feel like you know the games yourself and you've played them outside of our group, that's fine. It's kind of up to you. So there's not like really awesome quality control or anything on that. And that's kind of that can be kind of dangerous, I feel. But it's worked out for me, at least. <laughs> Actually, I think Brandon has had a, an experience, with, a bad experience with, with, with quality teachers, control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, when I go to SaltCon, I try to go to luckily Christo's teaching the games I want to play. And it, it's it's nice to go to him because I know I'm going to get a, a thorough teach. But yeah, there was once where I, I got a really bad teach and it was just a bad experience. But that was only once in like the three years that I've gone. So yeah. it's not very likely. And I mean, it, it kind of gets crazy. I've missed small rules, which people have complained about before. But I mean, like something like uh, at, at the end of blackout, you don't have to pick up a row. If you don't want to, you can just leave it on the table. And people have complained about it. like small rules like that. But I mean, it gets kind of crazy because you have to know like four games and explain mm -hmm. them pretty quickly. And like, uh, yeah, I try to do a good job though. Generally. Well, and I think there's something to be said. I mean, everybody that's teaching these games are volunteers, mm -hmm. and like, I mean, you just have to be kind of cognizant of that and kind. You yeah, know, they're the rule books on the table too. So yeah, if you they're giving four hours. Out, I don't get, are you teaching like a group of three people and then you set them go playing it and then you teach somebody else and teach somebody else or do you play the game with them? I don't play the game with them. Uh, actually, that's been kind of a suggestion that the organizers have not taken is the teachers actually play with the people. Currently, we just teach people and go away. <laughs> and I mean, if they have questions, obviously, we'll stay and like watch one round and like, okay, you guys are good and they're good and they just keep playing. Okay. But we, you're not supposed to play the games with them. Currently. There's only one ga a game of that type set up. Oh, there's only one copy. So there's not, yeah, there's not multiple copies. Oh, yeah, there's only one copy. There's there's four games that we teach. Actually, I was going to say this year, uh, my games were, were Copenhagen, Century, and New World museum and the Artemis project so those four games are set up and like they're my games so I just go around and explain whoever sits down and wants to play them yeah it is good to have a teacher in the game though right because yeah. you come across things or they're gonna do something and you could the teacher could say like sorry you yeah. can't do that you have to do it this way yeah. or whatever and I mean I'm there so I'll just walk by and like yeah you guys have questions or people have questions and ask so yeah but uh, that's one thing I enjoy about SaltCon is teaching games um, the other thing is the games are usually good I'm really interested in the games that I teach yeah I would kind of probably not do it if it's games that I don't like that they're you like the organizer are pretty good at like picking kind of euros that I like or just games that I like not the even yeah mostly euro games actually mm -hmm. it's a very euro convention kind of uh, out of the games that you taught what was your favorite <clears throat> that's actually kind of interesting because I kind of didn't like them personally as much contrary to what I just said you were um, about Artemis project 
I did play half of the Artemis project, and actually it was good, but it, I feel like it wasn't, like, I had pretty high expectations, so I was like, okay, it's good, but it's not, like, groundbreakingly mm -hmm. amazing, and it didn't shatter my world or something. Um, Museum was nice, I played it, it's kind of a set collection game, it was okay, I, our game was, like, really long, so I think that always kind of, like, makes the game look worse than it, mm -hmm. than it is, maybe. Mm -hmm. It just ran over, like way too long. Someone was thinking a long time. Copenhagen, I think I liked it. Uh, it's kind of like a Tetris game. Mm -hmm. I think I like it more than Arrayal or whatever. Um, it's, a, it's a fun game. It's kind of light. That's that's the mm -hmm. thing with Copenhagen. I was actually expecting it to be a little bit heavier. It's pretty light. It's like a, it's a race to 10 points and it's, it's, it's kind of a lighter game. I mean, they were like fun. I like them. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to go out and like rush out to buy any of them. Yeah. The funny thing is Century, I didn't even play it. It's uh, basically Century the same, but worker placement style. So oh, okay. instead of playing cards, That's you're playing. That's the third one, right? Yes, yeah. it's the third okay. one. And it's pretty crazy, actually. I was going through the rules. There's like four different rule books because you can combine like different combinations oh, yeah. of the other games. So like yeah. they have a rule book of like two plus three, one plus three, one yeah. plus two plus three, or uh -huh. just three. So I was just like, <laughs> and did you you only taught the third, right? Yeah, just one. No, no combinations whatsoever. Yeah, Copen Copenhagen has been on my list to buy for a while. Me yeah. Too. yeah, no, it's it's a good game. I will play it. It just don't expect it to be like I don't know, Terra Mystica or something. Obviously, yeah. it's a yeah. light. It's it's pretty light. Mm -hmm. It's a light game. It's okay. kind of like pick up cards, play cards. Done. But it was fun. I, I liked it. It looks pretty. Yeah, it looks really cool. Actually, the, the graphic design of it is really awesome. And they actually had the the Kickstarter promo or whatever with oh, the, acry the, with the acrylic tiles yeah. and whatever. It was, it was, it's fine. Even with the paper, I feel like it'd be fine. Mm -hmm. All right, so the other thing I actually like kind of in between games is the game swap. Um, I was going to talk about that area a little bit. It's kind of weird because, like, what are you going to talk about with game swap? But I feel like I've always kind of just had fun just kind of hanging out there. Uh, and you kind of start talking about games with people. So it's kind of like this chill out area where you can just like, oh, yeah, this game. What do you think about that game? And oh, yeah, I played this game a couple of months ago and it's kind of fun. And the other thing is you can find really kind of out of print games for decent prices as well. Um, it's just kind of a cool place to hang out. Um, that's the, the swap meet, like the little... No, just uh, it's swap meet. They call it the game swap, I okay. think is what it's it is. It's where you could buy, you buy games. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's basically games on shelves and you walk around and it's kind of funny actually because they have a huge variety of like really bad games. Like mm -hmm. uh, actually someone bought Sorry uh, for a dollar. <laughs> 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 I've seen stickers uh, which say like, five dollars or whatever like literally that's what it said on the on the sticker like five or whatever <laughs> so basically yeah basically yeah it's kind of like these games where you just go through and like please take this off my hands to like games that are like just kind of older to games that are like out of print to games that are like kickstarters that yeah. just came out that are really expensive and people are selling for like 300 bucks yep. or something. yeah i saw hate there the last yeah. time i went for 300 bucks and i was like amazed because I mean, you could. There's somebody that's sitting there, but somebody could grab it and walk out and say that they're they bought it. Yeah. But nobody does that. It's amazing, and it's like kind of a it makes the board gaming community like that much better because like it's very yeah. trustworthy. I'm guilty of of throwing crap in that in that 
<laughs> game swap. Like that. But it gets bought, right? So it, it's, it's almost it's all good. my games got bought. Yeah. And I was like worried because like a couple weren't accounted for, but I went back the next day and found them. Like they just, <laughs> it just, it could get jumbled around. And yeah. uh, I wouldn't suggest post it notes. I would suggest like, like putting actual like tape or something that's not, maybe not going to hurt the box, but th- those could fall off. And, um, but aside from that, like it's, it's great. Nobody steals anything, and you just you have a phone number on it, so you give them a call, and you you could bargain with them too. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you don't have to stay there with the games you're selling. No, you leave them. You leave them with That's your crazy. your phone number and the price, and then yeah. they call you up. Like I said, I think it's a combination of the convention not being too large, the area that the convention is in, and just kind of the people that go there. But it's pretty good as far as like things not getting stolen and just kind of like a friendly atmosphere to Rana's point mm-hmm. uh, because yeah there's all these games just like sitting there and yep. there's one guy watching it supposedly but I mean if you want to steal something I hope we're not ruining it with like totally nobody steals it world <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> don't sitting please, there. <laughs> please don't plan on going to yeah, to please steal stuff that, yeah. would, that would ruin everything yeah. so uh, but I mean I've just thought about it because, you know, it looks like a store, actually. A lot of people actually have QR codes now, so you you would, you wow. would like, text them and they'd be like, okay, just pay me on the Venmo thing on the game. And, like, yeah, they don't like, even have to be there. So <laughs> you just, like, pick up their game, pay them through Venmo, and just, like, walk out. So that's even, <laughs> like, it's like an automated system, like, basically like a store. It looks like a store. Kind that's of. really cool. It's like the, the Amazon Go store. Yes, in it's exactly like the Amazon that's Go That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what it's turning into. Uh, anyway, interesting thing that I saw this year, Smartphone Inc. First Edition. I actually messaged Justine and uh, Matt to, to see if they wanted it. I didn't even know there was a First Edition. They're just sitting there. It's hmm. a very common thing. Kickstarter gets released and people unload the First Edition. You'll see it in the game swap, like the, next, the very next Saltcon. Um, they didn't end up buying it, but it was just an interesting thing. There's uh, a lack of communication. From, uh, <laughs> I think... I don't know. I actually don't even know what the differences are. Maybe it's just component. I don't know. But anyway, I bought uh, Welcome to Centerville. We've wanted to play that for a while. We'll play it eventually. And that's a question which we've already played like three times or something, two times, which was fun, but maybe I'll get rid of it eventually. All right. Um, Yes. So the biggest reason that I... We'll go to SaltCon 4 is obviously to play games. That's, that's one, that's the mm-hmm. biggest reason. Um, I was actually thinking, like, do I play more new games or old games there? And I kind of went through the list of the games that I played this year, and it's actually a mix. Like, uh, basically half the, the titles were new, half the titles were old. Uh, the problem with new games is I feel like they're kind of much harder to play, and I really hate reading rules at the convention because it's kind of just you kind of want to just have fun there mm-hmm. and reading rules is kind of not fun I'll, I have done it for smaller games but usually I kind of like to read rules beforehand so then you have to kind of prepare and it kind of gets a little crazy that way I end up playing a lot of the new uh, the hot games the games that I teach are usually new to me so I actually like learn them and play them there uh, that's part of it I've uh yeah I I learned a game there once and never again. Like there's just something. I mean it's just like when you come to a, a game meetup, you don't want to go to a game meetup and read rules. Yeah. But this is the preparation is much bigger because you're there for way longer and maybe over a few days. 
but yeah, we it was a small game, but we all like sat there and read the rules, and it just like it felt like we were wasting time because there's so much to do there. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's true. But on the other hand, you kind of want to play the new games. You're just like looking at this new release that maybe like isn't even in stores yet, and you're just like, oh, I want to play this. Like Teotihuacan was actually there last year, mm-hmm. and I did not play it sadly. But it was there before it was even released to like Kickstarter backers or anyone else, I think. The cool thing is, though, is that you have the, those hot games tables where people are teaching you. Mm-hmm. But you also have, there's a sign where you could put out Teachers Wanted. So you could set up the game and put out a sign that says Teachers Wanted. Oh, and somebody cool. could come by and teach you the game. Yeah. Actually, speaking of which, uh, that's one thing I really like is just kind of walking around. And uh, if someone is playing something that I don't know and then they that they obviously know how to play it's really easy to kind of sit down and like oh hey guys can I play with you and usually mm-hmm. people say yes like they have players wanted as well yeah. yeah so you could look for those and yeah you could literally just walk around and find a game to play and play with complete strangers but you all have one thing in common at least Everything yeah. in common. Yeah. That's really cool. Like, like I say, there's a really good feeling about the convention. I think the people are fun. And I've gotten to know, like, people that I see at SaltCon now because I've been going for a few years. So you'll just walk around and like, oh, hey, guys, it's you again. And let's play a new game. And hopefully it's a game that we can teach each other. And it's uh, it works out really well. My fiance and I bought Bonk. Uh, that weird dexterity game yeah. and we were set it up and we were going to play it two players which isn't that great uh, these two guys came up and we were like can we play this and we're like yeah actually four players is the best player count and by the end of it we were like high-fiving each other actually the game makes you <laughs> high-five each other but we were high-fiving an addition to the yeah. actual rule but uh, yeah you and uh, the tournaments, as he was saying, uh, I played a, an ice school tournament, and it was, like, really fun. It Nobody, I mean, it's ice school, so nobody was taking it too serious. Yeah. But, again, I, like, everybody was super into it, and, and I hugged the guy. That, <laughs> like, that I was, I was like, um, we were tied, and we were doing this tiebreaker, and we got into, like, three tiebreakers before he just won, and, like, we just, like, automatically hugged afterwards. It was really strange, <laughs> but it felt right at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched some of that high school tournament. It yeah, was interesting, there, yeah. actually. It was very interesting. That sounds, that sounds really fun. Cool. What other kind of games are there tournaments of? I played uh, an high school tournament. Actually, the tournaments... There's a lot. Um, okay, so there's two people running uh, tournaments. That yeah. didn't happen during summer, so uh, I, whatever. But uh, in short, there's two people running tournaments. One is the convention, and they have like a lot of them, and they have like a master of games one where it's like several games into one... Uh, they have, they had Scythe, they've had Terraforming Mars, I think, mm-hmm. uh, they had, uh, Pandemic with, like, you draw, it's not like, uh, s- someone draws the events from one deck and oh, multiple cool. tables Duplicate, play. Yeah. So, no, the, so the people play the same game but respond to it differently. Um, there's also this group called Envoy, mm-hmm. which runs tournaments, which I think is what Brandon's that, tournament that was. was the they one, yeah. tend to run kind of the Envoy people tend to run kind of like uh, smaller, shorter games, uh, kind of more luck based, unfortunately, as well. But games that people that they can teach to people at the convention. Mm-hmm. So like kind of the Saltcon tournaments are kind of larger games that you kind of have to know from outside a convention. And Envoy is like things that you can anyone can just walk in and like hopefully in about 10 minutes everyone can know the rules and play very well so it was like it was like diamonds nevermore ice cool like really kind of lighter card games or dexterity games or whatever so those are kind of the two sides of tournaments there with envoy 
if you if you come if you're the like top four that that won ice school anyway uh that is in the like last game you get a copy of the game oh, that's cool. if you win you get a copy of the game a trophy and a ticket to gen con oh that's oh, really cool yeah. in indianapolis yeah yeah to play in a tournament that i think gets you to essen if I'm not mistaken. Are you kidding me? I'm the world's best high school player. I Wait, could have gone yeah. to Essen. And I think they do that actually, with all the tournaments. Yeah, yeah. Essen actually, Gen Con. speaking of which, I was the in, I was in the final game of Nevermore, and there were two people left alive, and uh, people kicked me out oh. <laughs> last year, basically by targeting me. So some guy won, but I was like second technically, yeah. so I got a copy of Nevermore. But I'm God's gift that. to high school. I did, I did not go to, to Gen Essen. Con. <laughs> I don't so don't quote me on that I don't know if Gen Con sends you to Essen yeah. I know for a fact that they send you to Gen Con yeah. I don't know what That's happens really if you cool. win there but, I think yeah. I think they could give you tickets and you're in the room with like several other people but I mean it's cool yeah, to Gen Con, yeah with Gen Con you also have a, a hotel room but you're sharing yeah so yeah but it's it's a it's a cool thing so anyway, uh, tournaments aside, uh, some memorable things from this year's SaltCon. I played some games here. I don't know if you care to know all the things that I played. Uh, but memorable things. Um, so I played games that I already know. Um, 51st State, that almost seems to be kind of like a tradition at SaltCon. I'll walk <laughs> around the tables and like somebody will be playing 51st State. And I'd be like, oh, do you guys want to play 51st State? And actually kind of like I'll trash them. <laughs> <laughs> That's, 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 that's ego <laughs> yeah. like you're the guy on the cover with like the big serrated knife yeah, and like pretty, pretty <laughs> much. So, no, I I I don't want to talk too much smack about it, but usually it's unfortunately new people that yeah. are kind of getting to know the game. So this game that I played, one person had played before, but I mean he hasn't played probably as much as me, and yeah. one person was completely new. So you just kind of feel bad because it's kind of kind of like a comp- not it's not too complicated rules wise, but it's a game where like if you've played before you'll probably do way better uh, and the new guy was like kind of like oh i'll pass and i'm just like okay i'll take like five more turns and i don't know it's just uh, i don't know but it, it i tried to, to keep a good spirit about it um so <laughs> yeah but uh, the same thing happened actually during spring uh, with with some other people but i mean it's a game that i really love and i Whenever I see it, and it's not very commonly played, that's the thing. So Saltcon, when I see a table, I'm just like, whoa, I want to play with you now. So, yeah. Uh, Magic Maze, that was kind of a weird thing. I played with some people, uh, just kind of in between games, and it actually turned out to be this two-hour thing where we went from them learning the game to the highest level in the game (laughs) for like two hours. We played uh, just non-stop games one after the other just kind of like increasing the difficulty and by the end we played like the, the final not the final final because they get kind of ridiculous but the final one where it adds like an element uh, if I remember correctly is like cameras or something I think in the base game uh, then they get kind of ridiculous like you're starting to build like two mazes and then there's some really wild stuff at the end you can't talk even when the timer's turned or like ever in the entire Ooh. game like we didn't do like that that crazy stuff mm-hmm. but uh, but that was very very cool I didn't know those guys they're just kind of like these 
guys just hang out and they were actually look, reading through the rule book. So I was like, well, I can explain this game to you guys because it's pretty simple. So I just sat down and we started playing and we played for like two hours. That's um, fun. Which was actually a lot of fun. I That's something we don't do as much uh, here is like play a game over and over, but I could play Magic Maze over and over. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, new releases, um, kind of, or new games to me, I guess I should say. I don't know if they're not necessarily new releases. The biggest one was probably kind of very surprising for me. I was walking around kind of towards the end of uh, Friday when it was kind of getting late and people were just kind of getting into these, like, I feel like that's the time where you pull out social games and there's, like, these circles of people around and, I don't know, people are winding down. So some people were playing Blood on the Clock Tower, which oh, is yeah. not even, like... Out, out in yet. any shape yeah. yet. Yeah. What they did, what they told me they did was they pieced together a print and play from like review videos and preview videos <laughs> and like just looking at stuff. So like some guy just like made it. Like they made a box, they made tokens, uh, the they made. have been released, right? Oh, they, they have they been released? I, I thought know. they have, but that's what I'm asking. I don't know. Actually, I don't think there's a print and play officially. I don't know. Maybe there's an older version print and play. I don't know. That takes but you can't read the rules no, online? I think there is the rules, because I remember people were criticizing the Shut Up, Sit Down review, uh, because like, I think they got rules wrong. So there must have been a rule book <laughs> on this and online. Yeah, so, otherwise it'd be really bad if they just pieced together the rules from watching videos. That I mean, really bad. no, actually the game is kind of pretty straightforward. It's not very complicated as far as like rules go. Uh, it was a very interesting game, actually. But how would you know all the rules? Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing is they had like an o- there's an overview sheet of what tells you like mm-hmm. which tells you what role exactly what what mm-hmm. it does and um I don't know. I mean, I didn't get into the detail about it, but it's pretty crazy because the guy literally printed like the whole game, including like the felt inside the boxes wow. and the tokens with the felt, and like you know, just everything looked pretty pretty well felt? done. That's amazing. I mean, you glue it. You don't. <laughs> he made it. He, yeah. he made it. Yeah. They made they made the whole game from scratch. Probably. I mean, not probably. That's what they did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was these people that I actually haven't seen before at Salcon. Uh, they have. A, uh, I think they play Blood on the Clock Tower. They said at work during lunches so there's like probably like some people from work that got together and went to SaltCon um, there's software companies that do that generally it's software companies <laughs> I feel that yeah, play games during work yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah so there was a really experienced kind of a GM guy or whatever you know the guy that's leading yeah. the party or the, the game the, the, the main guy very uh, he GM. was actually really game master yeah, he was really good. Uh, I found out that in the game, you the the guy that's running it should be very experienced with like what everything does and just kind of know the game very well. And he was pretty good at that. Actually, I had a lot of fun. Uh, the game is very interesting. Um, I don't know. I kind of like it, actually. It's a very kind of, not complicated, just a larger version of Werewolf. Kind mm-hmm. of just larger. Uh, without the downside of dying. When you die, you can still talk about stuff. I guess your ghost is like talking <laughs> to people. Uh, Have you played Witch Hunt? No, I haven't played Witch Hunt. Okay, because Witch Hunt does the same thing. If you eliminated, you're thing. a ghost. Yeah. And you as ghosts can still affect the game. Yep. And you still can vote, but only once, once you, once you die. So like you have one vote after you die and before the end of the game and you can spend it whenever you want to just like vote for, for something, for who dies, for somebody who's accused or whatever. Uh, the roles were pretty cool. Maybe it's similar to Witch Hunt. I just haven't played too many of those like super large social games before. 
Uh, I feel like it'd be kind of, that's what I was saying to the group, is it'd be kind of difficult to play that game because I feel like it kind of gets good at like eight, which is kind of weird mm -hmm. because you have to get eight people and you kind of need to know what other roles do in that game. You won't, you won't have like a really great game until some, everyone knows at least like kind of how things work because you can get called out and it can be bad otherwise and yeah. Well, you need eight for Captain Sonar and that is a more gamier game and how many times do we play that? Like two so, times or something. Yeah, yeah. so like yeah. It's, it's tough. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the guy that's running the game needs to have fun running the game so I don't know who that would be and he needs to know the game very well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's a very peculiar game that we kind of don't really get into here and I feel like it's a perfect convention game because of that actually because mm -hmm. it's very easy to, for people to kind of walk in and be taught the game and um, hopefully the guy that is running it is good but other than that you can play with uh, strangers kind of okay I guess um, I mean it gets better with with more plays I actually played it three times um, it was fun I would definitely play it again I don't know if it's gonna happen here uh, the other kind of memorable memorable thing was uh, on tour uh, that was kind of a roll and write game which I kind of had kind of low expectations for just because I don't like roll and rights that much. It was actually very interesting. Uh, I feel like it's the traveling salesman software problem with, in a board game format. You're kind of trying to plan a route throughout the US and you're trying to plan the best route uh, in a way. And you start rolling numbers and you start filling in numbers and your route is from zero to 100. And that is sounds kind of actually from the rules, it sounds kind of bleh to me. It sounded like, is that it, really? But once you start playing, it's there's very interesting decisions. Basically, it's kind of like where you put the numbers, obviously, to make the best route. And you can kind of flex your route. And uh, yeah, the it was kind of a tough game to play, actually. The decision got really difficult towards the middle of the game. And at the end of the game, you're just kind of like painfully putting numbers in because they don't match. And you're ruining your routes. And you're kind of readjusting. And it's pretty cool, though. It's uh very cool game. It's really overproduced for a roll and write. You actually have boards with dry erase markers and the boards are like really thick. So the board is, I mean, the box is like, I don't know, like... It's a pretty big box for ten, roll and write. Ten, Probably like yeah, the biggest ten, box I've seen for 10 roll inches and high or yeah. something. It's pretty high because there's all these like double folded, double folded boards inside the box. They look like really fancy menus almost for like yeah. a restaurant. Huh. Yep. And you could actually add in, you could only buy it from their website, which is a website that makes board game tables, right? Yeah, board game tables. Yeah, they have like it two is. games yeah, yeah, yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and you could just add in like these menus, like basically add in more player count. Yep. Like, yeah. And I think they made the box even larger because you can buy more maps, I think maybe in the future. I think there well, was some Well, you could add, you could add in players. So maybe or add in players. Yeah, 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 add in players. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you can make it up to eight, I think, or yeah. something, right? So I think the game comes with four, and you can buy four more. But it was, uh, like I said, just one of the more memorable experiences from, from SaltCon uh, this year. Yeah, so that was SaltCon for me. So you guys have never been to a board game convention. Yeah. I just wanted to touch base on that. Like all three of you guys. Right. I've been to a convention before but not like a board not game. Not a board game convention. convention. Okay. So like I've gone to a few salt cons only mm -hmm. and I understand why you would say like why do I want to pay money to go and play board games when I could play board games for free. First of all when you, you see that when March comes around most of us are going to go. Yeah. So you're going to pay to play with your friends, maybe, <laughs> or to just to be able to play board games. 
But second of all, like Christo said, it just like feels like eventful. Mm-hmm. Like it, it feels more than just a board game night. Like you go there and I always say that like around like March, beginning or end of March, I can't remember. I think it's end of March. I don't know. Anyway, uh, no, it's beginning. Um, feels like board gaming Christmas. Like mm-hmm. it just feels like a holiday for some reason for me. And like I, I go and there's like tons of people and everybody's playing board games and there's tons of like board gaming space. And like we spoke about, like you could just join a game, you could set up a game and have people play games with you. I always like to play a dexterity game mm-hmm. when I go there, just because like that's a really good environment for it. Uh, Fristo and I played Pitch Car for the first time there, and then last SaltCon we played uh, that uh, Mars Golf, whatever. Oh, and yeah. they just like Mars seem open. Really, yeah, Mars <laughs> Open. They those they just seem fun to play, or even yeah. social games. Like that's probably the only place where I might play a social deduction game and be happy about it. You could get games for cheap. You could go to the exhibitor hall and get games for more expensive. <laughs> but it's just like this really cool experience that's all catered to what feels like you. Just it feels like it's catered that's to you. That's cool. So you're saying it's all about the magic. You're like on paper, it may not sound fun to mm-hmm. go for four hours and teach rules to strangers. Or, you know, play these games I otherwise wouldn't like. But there's something, <laughs> meet strangers, sit and hang out with somebody who's trying to sell sorry for a dollar. Seems <laughs> awful on paper. But you're telling me it's magical. Yeah. And you just have to do it. You twisted things a little bit. Because you, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to teach people any games that you don't want to. Yeah. Um, you're, you're not sit, you, nobody's making you sit down while these people are like selling games. You walk into the room and see what's there. And there's actually some really cool games there. That oh, I'm potentially. sure, yeah. Um, and you don't have to play with strangers. Like we, the first year I went, like all of the whole entire gaming group went. And we were playing games with at least one of us, one mm-hmm. other person involved in the game. And then we all went out to lunch, like oh, that's to dinner together. Like it just like feels very eventful. Yeah. Uh, and like you you do what you want to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, you do pay a price for it, though. And actually, it's kind of going up a little bit last year. I think it used to be like 60, now it's 80 or something. I don't know. <laughs> Where uh, for, for, for all days? For oh, four days. For yeah, four, four days. days. You could pay for one day. Uh, yes, but I mean, I don't know, to Brandon's point, it's just like a f- really fun thing that you kind of don't get out of uh, game nights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a different thing. That there's there's a like a separate room too, like if you don't want all the noise from the huge hall, which yeah. actually it's kind of weird, like when you're walking around and looking around, like it's like you could hear a lot of people talking and it kind of seems like a lot loud. It's productive board game noise. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but then when you sit down and play, it's like all of it dissolves it away dissolves, yeah. and you're just here you're at this table. Um, but there is a quiet room if you want to go and play quietly and it's a smaller room. Mm. So if like you have social anxiety or just like big crowds kind of annoys you, there is a place for you as well. Noise and, has never been an issue with with salt con for yeah. me there's not like loud people or if there are loud people they haven't sat next to me they're I guess there's also yeah. away from the, the gaming hall there's like this really cool room that has these giant windows like really tall mm-hmm. windows and there's tables set up and you could play in there like we played a game in there because it was like snowing uh, when we, and oh, it was just fun. nice to sit by the window and like play a game while it was like snowing what looked like almost all around us uh, the, I would say bring like food or go out to eat there's actually like a lot of good places to eat around there but as far as the convention you're just buying snacks and like sodas but i think i'd love to go but i would need to be like buddied up with someone from the group i don't i have 
Well, I mean, go with Matt, and yeah. then, like, we all meet up. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I'll say one, because I've definitely, we've had conventions come and go, and I've always just kind of been not been, it's one of those things I always feel like it comes up in me, I'm like, ah, do I want to spend money to go here and board game all day, or what, uh, or I could just go board game part of the game, and then also I don't have to spend money, it's been, always been my calculation about this one. But, I mean, probably when it comes around in March, I'll try and plan it out in advance to go there just to kind of see what the event is yeah. all about. Mm-hmm. It's good to experience new things. And if I'm right, I'm right. And if it is something magical and cool, then I've done something cool. Yeah. That, and also, I think it's just Saturdays. They have the raffle. Like, everybody that Ooh. pays a ticket, they have a raffle. And actually, like, I won, like, a stack of games. And awesome. Christo won, too, but he wasn't there. But I had his badge, and it didn't work yeah, because you have to be present to get the game. So, technically, we both year. won. <laughs> yeah. But well, they, well, you could, would you have won? I don't know. It, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, you don't know. I uh, won like General Eagle Griffin games. Actually, they're pretty good. Like Francis Drake, I think they might give out. And like, what did whatever. I win? I went Amun Ray, which I gave to um, Risto. Yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. You could win the opportunity stuff. to play my copy and, of Francis Drake. Uh, <laughs> Island Hopper. Yeah, Eagle, which is an Eagle Griffin Moon Rake game. Attack or something. And then uh, a Gamelin game. It was uh, oh, Gamelin games as well. A, a tiny Epic Galaxy. That's what I was saying. Is Eagle I gave Griffin. away and sold all of them. Now that I'm thinking about them, yeah, you're like all of them. <laughs> I gave away or sold all of them. But if but people like these games, so and there was yeah. good stacks in there. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, last year they had like. Crusaders that will be done deluxified edition. Yeah, TMG, Eagle Griffin, Gamelin, uh, I was going to say Viceroy, that's like Mayday or something, I think. Viceroy was given out a lot. They kind of contribute to the convention and they give them out. Oh, there's panels too. I I haven't attended one, but there's panels of different, like the game board game design or there's different panels you can go to and and watch. And, And for like RPG players, there's a whole RPG section and Yes, yeah. that yeah. Even during summer, there was I just kind of avoid that section, but yeah, I don't know. Me too. But it's good that they they have it for the people that that are interested. Yeah. Well, join us in December for Cards and Cubes Con. We'll be giving away Small World, Dragonfire, Takanoko, <laughs> First Martians, two copies. <laughs> There's two copies. Speaking of which, they have international game. Day at the library, at Viridian, I think, yeah. at Viridian coming up, yeah. and I go, and it's some of the SaltCon people. That's oh, actually, yeah, event. I actually want to touch base on that because this conundrum came up for me when Risto was suggesting that everybody just goes there instead of here to game, and I was like, why? Why would I drive further to go? And then I just went. I was just like, I'll just go, and that's where everybody was going. And again, it had the same, almost the same type of feeling, just a little bit smaller. There's a game swap there, and there's a yeah. library there, and there's like people that you could just play with. We've been to that one. We yeah. played with the Scar- Scarlet Pimpernel guy. We played Mombasa with him. Yeah. So like, yeah. I-, I was thankful that I went because I was like, no, this feels like it has that same feel. I- it's hard to explain. There's just a feeling to it. Mm-hmm. Like it feels more eventful. Like we go to the same game store all the time and play games, and yeah. it doesn't get old for me. But it's nice to have something that's like fresh, yeah, in the same hobby that I that I love. Yeah, I wouldn't mind going to Viridian. Okay, and that's that's it. Thanks for joining us, Cards and Cubes. Uh, remember to join us next next episode so you can hear our thoughts and feelings about Black Angel. 
Uh, we'd like to thank again Demolition Games for providing us a place and some awesome selection of games. Again, that's 3300 South and 85 West. We want to thank Lindsay Johnson for composing our theme. We ask you that you um, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And you could also email us at cardsandcubespodcast at gmail.com. Um, maybe ask us questions that maybe we answer on the show or just let us know you exist. You could also find us on Facebook and Instagram, Cards and Cubes. Until next time, goodbye.